0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another
1: episode of Line of Succession. I'm your host, Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer Spencer. How are you?
2: Doing well, man. Excited to have this show back after what feels like years.
1: It has been a long time, but we are finally back. Season 4, Episode 1, The Munsters, has premiered. We have seen it. We're ready to talk about it. Spencer, what did you think of the premiere of Season 4?
2: I I thought it was the succession that I've come to very much love. I mean, it was eminently well-written. The dialogue in this show is as snappy as anything you can find on television. Uh, the characters were in proper form, the way I'd expect them to be, and the plots moving in interesting directions with some fun philosophical meditation on some interesting concepts. This is this is prime succession. I'm here for
1: it. It is prime succession. I will I will grant you that it's it's just very like a friend of mine called it like a poo-poo platter of succession. It was like here's a little Tom, here's a little Shiv, here's a little Logan being Logan. Like it's just all the things we can expect. I liked it. I was entertained by it. I will say this about it though is it was the first time I watched a succession episode and thought, you know, they do kind of need to end this because mm. it's the same thing. Like it, it I mean, we're back to kids versus Logan. We're back to a potential peers deal, snappy dialogue, wild apps like apropos of nothing references from all the characters who would expect to do that. Some Greg Tom stuff. It, I enjoyed it. I was entertained by it. I'm not out on the show far from it, but it, I am at a point where I'm like, yeah, unless they're going to change this, say kill Logan, continue on with some different sort of raison de d'etre for the show, then they probably do need to end it. And I didn't feel that way at the end of season three, but when I watched this episode, I thought, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. This is the last season.
2: Is it starting to get wrote to you at this point? Predictable even?
1: I wouldn't say wrote that that's too negative, but a little predictable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, is it, isn't it for you?
2: Well, It will ultimately depend how the season wraps up, like you said. We've talked about that for the last couple of seasons of our characters seem to be moving in circles, which is in theme for the show that they would, but it makes certain things feel more predictable, or at least just feel more like we've already tread this ground before. And We'll get into that with respect to certain characters, but it feels like certain of the characters have gone quite a ways, and other characters are the same place they were two seasons ago.
1: Okay, well, let's get into the episode uh our normal format here gosh hard to remember the normal <clears throat> format man it's I been mean, a long time
2: don't worry i'm sure i'll forget a segment or two come to be expected we are
1: <laughs> we'll
2: call back from lasso
1: lowdown yeah we start with the recap i will leave the recap every week bang bang shoot them up i will say this about the recap i had i knew intellectually but i had forgotten just how difficult it is to write notes for this show like it mm-hmm. takes a long damn time like way longer than any other show we've ever reviewed does it take me to write notes for this because it's just nothing but page upon page of dialogue but i did it i've got all the notes where can we can do the recap with you
2: sir the labor you put into this it
1: really took about three hours uh to write (laughs) to write the notes uh and then we will go to roy of the episode best line of the episode and we wrap up with spencer's relationship advice of the episode spencer don't tell us now don't 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 give it away don't spoil it but do you have some relationship advice of the week for us
2: only thanks to you reminding me this was even a segment on the show, given how long it's been that we did this. Yes, I put together some relationship advice.
1: Here's what I remember about the relationship advice of the week segment, is that you have repeatedly, through season one, two, and three, asked to get out of that segment. You have, you have said, <laughs> I don't think people like it. I don't think I have anything. We, we, we don't let you. We never let you. You still have to do relationship advice to the episode, and we mm. soldier on into the season there. getting more Spencer's relationship advice to the episode. Before we get into the recap, little shout out to other things going on here on the Mangum talks podcast channel. We got a lot of stuff going on. It's the busiest time we have ever had for the podcast channel. We have Spencer who's continuing on every week. They are in like the third year of this, of a chapter by chapter reread of Harry Potter called pottering around over on the Mangum reads podcast feed. You can check that out. We've got lasso lowdown, which Spencer and I do every Tuesday. Uh, no, sorry. Every Friday, where we review the latest episode of Ted Lasso, which is also in potentially its final season. It's in season three. We're reviewing that every week. And then over on Mangum Talk Star Wars, Jamie and I are reviewing Mandalorian every week. And Spencer will be back on that podcast this week to review Mandalorian at the midpoint after we have finally figured out after all the years, who saved Grogu from Order 66? That was really fun. I really enjoyed doing that podcast with Jamie. You can go check that out on Mangum Talk Star Wars, where we reviewed episode four of season three of Mandalorian, where Grogu was saved from Order 66. A lot of fun. Spencer, are you excited to, to join uh, Mangum Talk Star Wars, a Little Mandalorian for us this week?
2: I got to catch up on a little bit, apparently, because I'm, I'm at least an episode behind. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it, man. It's been it, it has been fun to talk Star Wars with y'all. It's been fun to unpack where they're going with the show now that it, now where they're going with the you know Star Wars medium now that they have so firmly invested in television over movies.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're they're telling a lot of the can, and it's exciting. Um, but yeah, we do get that answer in the next episode. So go watch that. That's a lot of fun, a Grogu episode. So what we are here for is to review. Episode one of season four of Succession. Let's jump into it. It's called The Monsters, a massive previously on. The catch-up, oh my gosh. It is like a two-minute previously on.
2: It, is The Monsters just a reference to the, well, other than Logan continually saying it, is it a reference to the television show from the 60s about, you know, that, that monster family living in modern suburbia kind of thing?
1: I think it's Logan's insult toward... His existence, his family, the people in his orbit, Mm -hmm. and they they chose that as the title. That's all I could get from it.
2: Logan repeats it like five times in terms of his dismissive way of referring to all those around him. Only reference I know that comes from is the old 60s television show, but who could say?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what he's talking about, right? He's talking about that television show, but I I think – I don't think there's anything more to it other than that was just his way of insulting people. And, and it was probably a grab bag of potential insults for the title (laughs) of the episode. There was an awful lot of these strange references that they could have picked. They picked the monsters. They went with that one. Mm. Can we get the intro music? Oh man, the intro is so solid for this show. It really is very good. Oh yeah. All right. Did you get the news chirons in the intro?
2: No, I didn't look this time. I skipped them. shouldn't have done it. Were okay, they new? I got them.
1: Yep. There's new ones. So we get China hack could see 40 million Americans entombed in their electric cars. Mm-hmm. Then we get deep state blunder classified data displayed on NBA Jumbotron. And then we also get an America's America decides graphic. So we know the election is close. And then we get a little shot of... Of a cell phone with the Stargo phone app, which I believe is related to this potential sale deal that Logan is working with right now. So uh, a lot of new things in the intro to look for. We start with some sort of event that Logan is at. Connor tells him happy birthday, so we learned it's Logan's birthday party. Carrie's walking around him. Notice the lady who leads ATN, Peach. Sid Peach is there as well. Uh-huh. I believe that's her name. Cut to a really nice house out in the middle of nowhere. Um well, it's it's not really in the middle of nowhere. It's it seems to be up on a hill, sort of overlooking maybe L.A., but it's certainly outside of the city of L.A. It would, it, it, that, that seems yeah, to be somewhere out right
2: there. Yeah.
1: And Roman is working with a group of people on something. Roman is asking them about branding. Kendall walks in. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, as, as we learned here in a second, this is an intense, intense, highly important meeting on the subject of their logo for the new company that they've aimed to start to create their own the new media empire. Hundred indeed.
1: The hundred greatest minds. That's what that's what I think the gimmick is.
2: That is how they're trying to frame this. Yes, yeah. that. Well, I mean, we hear a perfect summary from Kendall here in a second as to what it is.
1: Kendall walks in. He seems a little manic. You know, Kendall's K- very much up and down.
2: Kendall's one of the characters I was going to talk about. I was like, oh, this isn't Ken- this isn't Kendall where we last saw him. This is manic Kendall again. He yep. has returned from back from from most of season three. Hey, Romy.
1: Let a thousand sunflowers bloom, Romy. I want to start a business with you, brother. Even when he's excited, even when he's in a good mood, he's cringe. He's cringe all the time. He will always it, be cringe.
2: It's interesting, too. The, sound, the thousand sunflowers thing, best as I can tell, that's a misquote of a reference to Mao Zedong. Sounds right. It's referencing, I think, the Hundred Flowers campaign and the poem that inspired it, Let hundred flowers bloom. Let a hundred schools of thought contend. But he's still butchering it. It's an attempt, Kendall. It's an attempt.
1: Roman tells someone. This is nothing, right? Fuck chops. I'm gonna start calling you fuck chops through the rest of the episode.
2: I really prefer if you don't, but kind- you know, nothing I can do.
1: Kindle is asking everyone how things are going. They seem to be looking at the logo for the hundred. As Spencer pointed out, Kindle explains it's the hundred is Substack meets Masterclass meets The Economist meets The New Yorker.
2: Does that mean anything? Does it mean anything at all, or is it just Kindle-related buzzwords? I what think Kindle-related companies used in a generic way.
1: I think that Kindle in his mind, he draws comparisons to like he has a like a, a bundle of things that the thing he's working on is similar to. So for instance, let's take the Mangum Talk Talks Podcast channel, right? I could say it's bald move meets ESPN, beats the meets the ringer, meets Apple Podcast, meets the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Because all of these things in some way have influenced some of the things we've done on the podcast. So I think he just has this like grab bag of stuff and he'll just start pulling from it as he as he does these things. Roman explains that he said iconic and they are providing him with ironic. Shiv <laughs> walks in and said the the money's there. Money there meaning the money man, the financer for their operation who, has arrived.
2: Who is straight up Arab sheiks, right? That, is, that, that, is that the implication here? Is yes, that, but they don't there- show him. They don't show them. They just make all kinds of references to indicate these are probably individuals from Dubai, Saudi Arabia, UAE. One what, what option they
1: It's the type of people that if you wanted to create a league of people to compete with the PGA Tour but you didn't really care about making money, you would contact.
2: <laughs> Fair. Accurate summary.
1: Uh, Roman's security is apparently being stupid and probably racist with them. Thank you, Shiv, which I'm sure is true. And Roman, uh, kind brother that he is, we all, we've we seen for three straight seasons, the love and affection between him and Shiv starts the season out with, well, you look tired and your face is giving me a headache.
2: I, one of the most effective, just because just it's so casual, one of the most effective cutting lines the entire episode.
1: So I'll tell you this, the first office job I ever had, I was working for a company that printed the directories for universities, you know, like the phone books for universities that they would print every year. Uh, yeah. It's so old at this point, half our audience is out, but this company did this. They had contracts with, with universities all over the country and they would basically make new phone books every year, a directory for them. So, Anyway, that was my first job. I was getting paid like nine bucks an hour or something, but I was in an office. I was sitting behind a computer. I felt super official. I was like, 21.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you, I mean, you know me at that age. I mean, I have changed a lot, but back then I was just man about town. I had to get up every day and walk around the office, tell everybody, hello, shake hands. You know, they do that whole thing. It doesn't shock sure. you. One day a young woman came in and I was really, fr- I thought I was friends with her and and she looked, I'm just gonna say it. She looked awful. And I said, you look tired. <laughs> and that young woman and you exploded never on me and i have never done it since i always remember that because it genuinely came from a place of concern it was man you don't look so good today it,
2: she's like oh thanks i don't look good I didn't it, talk to it, me for a week it, it is one of the most tropey examples of things you can say about women that will immediately be cutting and start a fight sorry you stumbled into it and it is such a gendered thing
1: because if you tell a yes. man you look tired yes most men that i know Will get angry at how close to you they're getting. They'll be like, ah, you don't need to be up in my shit like that. Like, I don't, like, if I'm tired, not tired, not really your business. Like, they don't even want to talk about
2: it. It, 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 That or just some other, like, jokey deflection of rather than engage at all.
1: Oh, that's it. That's a Spencer move right there. Yeah. Of course. When am I not tired? It's something like that, you say. Um, Shiv says she wants to keep her options open. Um, oh no, this is, uh, that's after Roman says, uh, she was in traffic and she's like, yeah, I was in traffic, you know, whatever. It's fine. I was on a call. Roman, we're going to circle back and exactly all that stuff. See you later. That's how he ends a conversation with the loco people. We're going to circle back and exactly all that stuff makes no sense. They keep asking her about the snaking. And if she's talking to the Jimenez transition team, I would assume this is the Democratic presidential candidate in this cycle. She says, mm-hmm. no, Roman, ask her if. Well, was my friend lying about this? Shiv then backs up and says, "Well, I'm talking to them, but I'm not talking to them." I think mean, we all know. What that kind of talking is, right? When you're talking, but you're not talking. Everybody knows that kind of talking.
2: Very much that kind of talking, yes. Intimately familiar with it.
1: Easy, easy to understand that kind of talking. Shifts says, I returned a call. They want to talk about talking. Easy. Kendall moans at that. I love. I always watch the show with the subtitles on. Absolutely impossible to write notes about it without the subtitles. And all all it had was just Kendall moaning in the background. And she says, they haven't won the election. And they might not. And dad might not be selling. And it might not work out with you two. Shi says she wants to keep her options open. Kendall scoffs at her keeping her options open here's the thing I've smoked horse.
2: what does that mean I, I saw that line what does that mean exactly couldn't fucking tell you that mean nothing to me Googling it did not help me with what the hell that line meant I have absolutely no
1: idea what that like like I you know i don't I don't do illicit drugs like I do not mm. I, matter of fact I don't even drink alcohol but I, ha- I know about illicit drugs. I could tell normally get tell you. I'm the drug reference guy of the podcast. Yes. I would yeah, know it. would rely on you, yes. I would know it if it was a thing. I've smoked horse is nothing.
2: It's not a thing. I, I know where he's going from here, but that line, I was just – I had to stop, rewind after this was done because that line so thoroughly just left me baffled <laughs> to understand what came next.
1: I smoked horse. It's really, really, really fucking nice. Roman, at the same time – we get a number of these scenes this, this episode where – it's not enough to have the characters continually talking; they have to have them talking over each other. So it takes me even more time to write the notes. They had to do that a few times in these scenes. Roman at the same time says Kendall's scared of needles, so therefore he's not a real junkie. I love that gatekeeping <laughs> of a drug addict. Uh, that you know what you know what Roman sounds like when he said that. He sounds like somebody who's done some heroin because that's the type of gatekeeping that drug drug people do. It's like, wow, you're not a real drug person. You haven't done the type of drugs I do. You don't it, you don't know.
2: This is a really interesting conversation because. Of our three characters, two of them are in typical form. Shiv and Kendall are just being Shiv and Kendall that we've known for years. Roman almost feels like the like the, the, the pervert, weird Roman that we knew in early seasons. Yes. There's still aspects of that, but it feels all the more that he's putting on a hat and that's not who he necessarily is anymore.
1: No, I think that Roman really wants a thing. I think he wants a real thing. This, is, this to, is the Roman that we're getting. He wants something to really concentrate on. I think that his... Can we say dalliance? Can we... I don't know what we call it with Jerry. Whatever the sure. fuck that was, taught him that he needs to get serious. I think that's what maybe that taught him.
2: Because Shiv, as we can see, is already out. Shiv's always looking for an exit plan. Always 100%. Always everything else. Kendall's just being Kendall of where he's completely manic and is just, as he says in this conversation... Um, that he's, he's just looking for something to be absorbing in life. He's just looking for something to be distracted with, to be engaged with, so he doesn't have to deal with anything else. He's not really looking for, like, a business the same way Roman seems to be clearly doing.
1: So what did you say about Shiv? What is Shiv wanting to do? What
2: Always find a way out. Always oh. find a way to not be decommitted. Always find a way to not be actually at risk when it comes to anything that she does.
1: Okay. When it comes to doing these podcasts, Spencer does as much work as I do. When it comes to everything else that is around the podcast, he does not do remotely as much work as I do. He doesn't post them. He doesn't go online. He doesn't even read. He doesn't even like to read the comments. Like he he likes that you all comment. He does like that. But he doesn't sit and read them. Just be careful, Spencer. We got a lot of people who think we're just mindless men who hate Shiv. We get a lot of that shit on this podcast. It, so just be careful with the very dismissive Shiv comments. Cause we have gotten so, it would shock you how many people have written in as a percentage of people who've written in about us who are like, well, you just, you, you two guys just mindlessly hate Shiv. And you know, my, my response to this always is we hate every fucking character. It's succession. The point. They all suck. It's all, you, we're gonna comment on how each of these people suck in their they, own unique oh, way. Suck. Every single one. Uh, Even Greg uh, a little bit sucks. Even I'm Greg. Gonna
2: say, I'm gonna say one character that doesn't completely suck. Okay. What I'm saying. Colin. We've not seen any reason to think that Colin sucks.
1: Yeah, I mean, he will just, he'll cover up a murder for you if you need
2: Yeah, yeah, but that's his job. He does that well. doesn't mean he sucks.
1: They all are terrible. (laughs) It was just kind of funny when you did that. uh Uh-oh, we're going to trigger the Shiv people. Shiv, S-H-I-V, I'm saying it right.
2: I I can't do anything other than comment about what the freaking characters are here. Shiv is not in the commitment. We see that a dozen times in this episode when it comes to either her business plans. You're right. When it comes to operating for the future, when it comes to relationships. This is a recurring thread for this character that is... Front and center right
1: now. Here's what Shiv needs, I think. And I'm not sure if Tom's going to be this for her, but he might. Shiv needs someone who, when she goes, I fucking hate you. I don't want you around here. You disgust me. You're not as good as me. I'm better than you. Sits down on the couch and goes, okay, Shiv, but I'm not leaving. I'm I'm sticking this out with you. Like, mm-hmm. we're, I'm going to stick through this bad mood with you. Like, I'm not going anywhere. That's what she needs. I don't, I don't know if Tom's the guy, but we're going to see. So, Kendall, to your point, did say... Super fucking absorbing in his life. Um, he needs something absorbing, something that's gonna, gonna help him out. P- please let me know if this is it, right? Like, so he's talking about like why, why he personally needs this. I was just struck, I was just struck by this. Spencer, you're, 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 you're hiring for a position. The mm-hmm. candidate's in front of you. The candidate says, you know, I think I just really need this because I've been kind of in a bad place lately.
2: <laughs> right' I've all void, about them. <laughs> I've got a void in me that I'm hoping what? that this would fill. It's like, thank you for your time.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, that, sir, is irrelevant. Um, Roman says he's not worried. He's only worried about the hundred. His only worry about the hundred is that it's so good. He wants to know why no <laughs> one else has done this before. I will say this about Shiv. Shiv and Roman are not in the same place about the the hundred. I, I don't no. think Shiv thinks it's a hundred percent a bad idea, but she thinks it's probably 80% bullshit. And Roman literally just said, not, not, not ironically at all that he thinks mm-hmm. it's so good. He wants to know why no one else has done it before,
2: which is all the more ironic that it was Shiv's idea. Apparently that Shiv's the one that started know, this, that got them at direction and she's out and not committed to it.
1: Cut back to Logan and they are seeing happy birthday. And he seems completely fucking irritated. You know, I've spent – I don't understand how these people – I've spent three seasons with Logan. I don't understand how these people who have spent so much time around him don't understand him yet. There's a 0.0 chance I'd ever sing him happy birthday.
2: No, God, no. Even a large party is a horrible idea. Any aspect of this has – We started that in
1: season one, a bad birthday party for him.
2: What tradition is this of where we're just publicly hazing Logan? Obviously, he's not engaged. Obviously, he's not having fun. Obviously, most of the people there aren't having fun. Why do it other than just tradition?
1: You know what it is? Like, it's it's like you have a friend who just like who is willing to be a friend, but doesn't want to do the fucking daily check in doesn't want to come to your fucking dinner party like they have their own thing. And that's mm-hmm. their thing. You kind of have to start to accept them for who they are. Mm-hmm. I don't think people – I think people are still trying to fit that square peg in the circle hole with Logan. They're ch- still trying to make him a jolly old patriarch of the family that has big birthday parties that everybody comes and gives gifts and sings happy birthday to. He's not that fucking guy.
2: It, I mean, it, it's optics and it's cash. It's meant to be like a who's who of who's invited to Logan's party and therefore a lot of too catered right. to and everything along those lines. And we talked about the invite list. But that's coupled with what we get from Carrie. Is this assistant right?
1: Carrie, correct.
2: Carrie. Uh, that she's, she tells Greg here in a minute, they're on lockdown. They're trying to limit the degree of outside influence. So it makes even less sense to do a big birthday party right now.
1: He walks away from the singing and just says, Jesus fucking Christ. He walks up to the window. Carrie asks him if he's okay. Monsters! Make the fucking monsters. Logan asks, who's coming in? And it's Greg. And his date, Bridget. <laughs> What what uh,
2: what happened to um God? What was her name last season? Comfrey was
1: it? Comfrey. Comfrey? I loved Comfrey. I liked her a lot.
2: Apparently, she's out. Or she's at least out. It, Gr- Greg had his fling, and they're done.
1: Disgusting guys. Isn't that the name? The disgusting guys.
2: Despicable guys or something. Despicable.
1: like Despicable. Uh, Bridget. Well, this is uh, Logan's. Carrie um, says. Friend, assistant, friend and advisor. Assistant and advisor. I'm going to pause right here. Spencer, what do you think Carrie's actual relationship with Logan is?
2: They fucking? Also other things, but that one too. I mean, she, she is it's in a romantic... Com-
1: it's more confusing just, than
2: that. I mean, she's in a romantic relationship with him, but she's now assumed basically the role that Marsha originally played of where she's his immediate person to rely on. His closest assistant, his closest advisor. She is the immediate, not number two but the person that he most immediately turns to for everything now.
1: I think it's a lot more complicated this season. He at one point turns to her and ask her if the bid for Pierce He's was reasonable. reasonable. That's yes. not just I'm fucking you. There is an internet theory I'd like to draw your attention to, sir.
2: Please.
1: Um, if you'd like to come over to this wing of the internet.
2: Passing, passing, passing. Yes.
1: There's a significant number of people over here on this wing of the internet who think that this could be a little bit of misdirect. Carrie could actually be a daughter of Logan from another relationship and that they aren't actually having a sexual relationship. And that that's why he has her in the inner circle.
2: Ah, I don't think we, I, I what, what do they turn into a reliant on for that?
1: Well, the fact that there has been apps there, you know, they're always cagey with Logan in his sexual life, but there really hasn't been any other than the kids assuming it. there's been nothing to show that they're sexual
2: together. Oh, or Him and Carrie. You mean? Yeah, that's what I mean okay
1: um and that he is increasingly relying on her that he's potentially training her in the way that he think all the way back to season what was it one or two when he said shiv would be the next person and then he had like a multi-year plan for her and she got super angry and she's like what the fuck like she's not like in for multi-year training when like Mm -hmm that it was clear that like Logan thought that was appropriate and he was willing to do that with her. Maybe that's what he's doing with Carrie. This is, this is hands-on training for multiple years, not hands-on into that way. If it's a daughter,
2: it's possible, but it would make the Marsha line where you get in a second an almost willful act of – a willful red herring, a distraction. She, the, the fact of how dismissive she is to Marsha felt like a personal affront of the role that she's taking. Now, it could be that Marsha was, you know, some way affiliated or connected with the fact that she's a daughter that's been wayward wherever else. But I, I interpret it as being as the wife is nothing. I'm the new wife now, by essentially, by comparison.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I – I don't know what to think about that one, but we can now leave that part of the internet and come we, back.
2: And it has been acknowledged.
1: Carrie pulls him aside, pulling Greg aside. She says, who is she? Who is she, Greg? What's her name? What is her full name? Is it Random Fuck? Bridget Random Fuck? Is she from the <laughs> apps, Greg? Is she from the apps, Greg, is a wonderful line.
0: Mm-hmm, Greg mm-hmm.
1: says, I, I like her. I, I might have fallen for her. <laughs> How many like,
2: t- he does not answer. How many times do you think they've actually dated? Uh, f- second date yeah in, in most kind of thing yes
1: and craig says carrie i'm I'm not sure this is appropriate she goes we're not a fucking shake shack greg this isn't a pre fucked party it's a birthday party see this is where logan's daughter it, it does does seem like she's she got a little something Logan. like Logan, she does I, sound like him
2: i i felt i felt it was her assuming the mantle because she can now whether it's a relationship whether it's trusted aid whether it's daughter who knows but she is certainly Making use of the trappings of Logan right now.
1: I'll say this about her: is that um, I didn't know. Any, obviously, we didn't know anything about her when she first got introduced. She is smart. She's, oh, well, she's bright for sure. She,
2: I think she's also one hundred percent right about this girl of of uh, Greg's being a plant.
1: I'm a cousin. I get a I get a plus one. I'm I'm like an honorary kid.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a notable line that I'm, I want I want to remember going forward because I think Greg may actually be. Perhaps in spite of himself successfully working in that direction.
1: She explains that Marcia, because Greg goes, well, Marsha once said, Marcia's not here. She's in Milan shopping forever.
2: The, the line I referenced, but that, that felt so dismissive. It felt like it was appointed, like she's a rival to what the role I'm taking. She's out.
1: Well, you know, if if she is long lost daughter, she very much could see Marcia as a rival. I mean, that's not, her, that's pretty common her, for daughter, yeah, mother ar- to.
2: Yeah. rival for affections can come in many forms. This is true.
1: She explains that in the middle of a hotly contested election, your uncle's on the break of a very large sale and scoping out a very sensitive acquisition. The very sensitive acquisition to me was news, right? Because like we knew about the large sale, that's the Gojo yeah. sale, ATN seller, um, Waystar Royco selling to we, Gojo. We knew that at the end of last season. We did not know about the acquisition.
2: Pierce is a new thing for this episode. Not a new thing for the series, but it's certainly a surprise for this episode.
1: Carrie asks if he's sure or she won't leak details right before the board. Meaning do you know she's not a hostile corporate asset? Cutscene. Mm. Here's a kid standing around. She explaining they are looking for investment partners for a revolutionary new media brand that is going to redesign news for the 21st century. I tell you, anytime, mm. anytime someone pitches something as something, something for the 21st century.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that mm. I want to, I want to put my hand on a Mark Cuban. I put my hand on it and that is why I'm out. Like okay. I, am the, I am now out.
2: You, and you throw in the words revolutionary and redefine also into the same sentence. I'm like, all right, I know exactly what you are, and I want nothing to do with you.
1: Roman, it's an indispensable bespoke information hub. Kendall then does his party, which is the hundredest. Can, <laughs> he says, mm-hmm. here's, what it, here's what it is. Here's what it is for Kendall. It's the hundred greatest minds. Everything. This is him going in the grab bag again. The grab yes. bag of stuff. Everything one. from Israel to Palestine to AI to Michelin
2: restaurants,
1: one stop info shop, high calorie info snacks.
2: I was with him until the info stacks. Info stacks, it lost me entirely. Yeah, I don't know. It is kind of how
1: people in tech news now, though. They, like, yeah. a, they go to aggregator sites that tend to aggregate shit they already agree with. They read the headline, then they report it to someone else as if they've read the article. That's pretty much how people do news now. Shift takes a call. It's Tom. Hey, question for you, Spencer. Yeah, we have you on. as the relationship advice guru of the podcast. Sure. How would you rate the vibe between these two in this first phone call?
2: W- w- give me give me a range. What's a 0, what's a 5 here?
1: Let's do um what's a just one a a typical a five. typical scholastic scoring, so A to F, oh. but but not graded on the Spencer curve. Not everybody gets an A here. So there, it is possible to get B, Cs, and D's in this world. So let's use uh, let's actually use those letters.
2: Okay, uh Tom assumes they're at like a c minus and Shiv's coming from a hard d minus maybe even lower in terms of her perspe- their perspective their respective perspectives on where they are
1: I can't give so you're right that I think Tom's vibe is better than Shiv's. I would say that I can't give say that Shiv is coming from an f because we know enough about her to know that if she if it was truly enough, she just wouldn't answer the fucking phone like, sure like she does this with a lot of people like she's just like goodbye. Fuck you. So she does answer the phone. So it's at least a D, right? Tom says, "Hey, how are you? Um, um, what, 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 what?" what uh, b- 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 a lot of that from Tom in this phone call, stumbling, fumbling, bumbling with his words. He explains that he had a little, just a little drink with Naomi Pierce last night, just a little, little, a
2: little drink. bit. He said it happened.
1: And she goes, "I am sorry you're informing me." He says, "No, I just wanted to perform the ask." Oh, that's our first Tom line of the episode. Perform the ask. <laughs>
2: Out of due deference, out of
1: due deference. Well, out of due deference, just in case photos or, you know, getting talks about or Tom says it's not a thing because it's 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 not business. It's a it's a shift says it's fine. It's fine. You're dating my brother's ex. It's fine. Tom stumbles in to explain that it's social. It's social. It's not a sexual thing. So there's no need. I'm still I'm just, just, just telling. And she says, and yet you are telling me, he says, because he got bumped into Marlinda. We don't know who that is. And of course, she got her little beacon Mutual friend, perhaps. So the headline is, There's nothing to worry about. Shiv says, You know what? It's fine. It's all fucking fine.
2: You know. Was it fine? Was when it fine, Shiv? It, when does, Shiv? Is
1: Shiv out being honest when she says it's fine? Shiv has a wonderful sort of formula for when things are not fine. She'll say, She'll start to build the sentence. She goes, Fine. It's fine. It's fucking fine. It's fucking fine. I know it's fucking fine. Like, she just...
2: <laughs> Angry, angrier, angrier, <laughs> angrier.
1: She says, "Knock you seriously, knock yourself out. Go fucking nail her in the coat check. The kid from St. Paul has really made it. Woo! Oh. Oh. oh
2: i still it, always
1: going to go back to where he came from.
2: I mean, there's at least two reasons that Tom was an idiot for even making this call. But good God, is she... Not fully understanding her own feelings and pissed off about them. To the degree she does understand
1: He says, I just thought, under the terms of what we agreed, that this was something worth discussing. Shiv snapped, You don't discuss something, Tom, that's already fucking happening. You don't say like, hey, do you have the line, Spencer? Do I need to say it?
2: I I do. You don't say, hey, Shiv, do you mind? Uh, Naomi and I are at Pierre and I'm inside her. Would you mind if I ejaculate?
1: Spencer works blue. I don't. Tom just says, Mm. whatever, whatever. Fine, fine. I just saw from the calendar invite that you're back in the city tonight. She goes, yeah. And she goes, why are you meeting with her? And she said, he says, take care, Shiv and hangs up and boy, the look on her face. Holy mm-hmm. smokes. Sarah Snook, the actress for shit. Right.
2: Just so great with the role.
1: when she drops that sort of, I want to fucking murder you and eat your bones. Like mm-hmm. it is a real mm-hmm. chilly yeah. look.
2: It, 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 it makes us fearful through the lens of the camera.
1: It makes that, me really believe she's Logan's daughter. You know, like that's, that's a very in that, the blood type thing.
2: Let's talk a couple ways. Tom messed up with respect. Okay. To this conversation. Fire away. Uh, from a pure relation standpoint, clearly he has no understanding of where they are. Clearly he has no understanding of what he, where his partner is at particular, the fact that he's even informing her of this. Because it has no purpose other than just to piss her off in terms in terms of what role it plays out. He's trying to do it under some aspect of courtesy, and he, that may be legitimate in terms of what he's doing, but she's never going to interpret it that way. She interprets this as being rubbing it in, and that, that, that's where she's coming from with respect to it. Yes. So there's just that in terms of him not understanding his partner and how they're going to perceive this. The other issue is this is the moment of when the three kids first learn about Pierce. This is the moment when they learn that it's in some way possible that Logan's team is now conducting some possible operation with respect to Pierce. The fact that he even name drops Naomi puts them on that clue and they run with it from here.
1: Do you notice that later in the episode when Carl, Frank, and Jerry are sitting around, they're like, well, how, how could the kids possibly know mm-hmm. that, that, that Logan's going after Pierce? Tom he tries to bury
2: it fast.
1: He does not want to do an introspection. He does not want to do a, does no, to do no a, a breakdown of this. Nope. nope he's, wow. There's a million fucking ways. I mean, my God. So shift storms back in.
2: I, I saw some people ponder online whether this was intentional on his part as part of some effort to play both sides. No, I, I don't read it that way.
1: I think he's just that sort of the immediate thing in front of me guy. What What is yeah. the next thing in front of me? He's not, he doesn't always think big picture and it always kind of fucks him up. She storms back in. She's being quite weird with a Pellegrino bottle. Um, I, You know, Pellegrino, Spencer, you know, this, your fancy man got bubbles in it. Mm-hmm. She's drinking it as if it's still water. There's something oh, wrong yeah. with her. Kendall asks her multiple times if she's fine. I do like the writing though. I do like the consistent writing that when Roman or Shiv are upset, Kindle takes a, just a sliver of big brother. Like mm-hmm. he's the one to chime in and go, are you okay, Shiv? Later in the episode, Shiv tells Nan Pierce, I'm getting a divorce. And Kendall is the one that snaps his head around, concerned, worried for her. He still has just a little grain of big brother in him.
2: Yeah, I, I like that. that. That is among the few moments of heartwarming between Roy's in the course of this episode, the fact of when she walks in, clearly not fine and not Okay kindle and roman immediately are like uh investors can wait we're concerned about our sister we need to talk about that yeah and they, let, it, they make maximatic. them go
1: and and like the guy they're dealing with telly 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 in the belly telly it's like i don't know if they're gonna want to wait five minutes and basically they're like fuck them like i don't care
2: i, I love the way they say fuck them too to tell is his name actually telly 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 sure okay uh their methods of telling them off is just tell them they can shove their petrodollars up their human rights record, okay? And uh, just find them a journalist <laughs> to burn with cigarettes while they wait or whatever they do.
1: <laughs> so when she say no, 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 it's fine, Roman's head snaps around, and we get an all time classic Kendall Deer in the headlights look because of the reference to Naomi Pierce, and he goes, yes. uh, 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 And
2: did he Kit- know that they had broken up? I, mean, I don't it, it know was-
1: that they have.
2: We hear her refer to him as, her, we hear Shiv refer to Naomi as Kendall's ex. We do hear her say that.
1: Yeah, but when you ask, so when you ask Kendall where they're at in their relationship, he gives a very standard answer, something you'd see on any sort of greeting card. Yes. Uh, I don't know, like Carnival of Mindfuck.
2: Yes. it's. I, I, again, I don't know what Kendall, Kendall says things and I don't know what they mean.
1: <laughs> I think that's but, kind of the point.
2: But we we saw them had a, a vague kind of exit at the end of season two. And then there wasn't as much interaction in the season three. So maybe they are broken up. And there's at least somewhat standoffish when they meet outside the Pierce estate.
1: Very standard carnival of mindfuck. Shiv is like, sure. well, he's fucking Naomi now. And it was just a meeting. Um, uh, it's fine. It's fine. Because you now she's going back and forth. She's yes. saying, well, he's fucking her. No, he's not. No, he's blah, blah, blah. Roman is looking at her and says this to Tele Tele, who's helping them with the schedule. Yeah. He says, Do you think you can give us two? That's when they get the the great line of uh what a couple lines that you just said that I really liked. Yeah. Um, both of them get a laugh. The fi- you know, the final one, the one that Kendall says, where he says just f- tell them to find a journalist to, to burn, burn. With cigarettes <laughs> while they wait. This actually gets a laugh in universe. Now, this is something interesting to, to to draw a distinction about because there is a lot, a lot of funny lines in succession.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Very rarely do the other characters cop to the fact that someone has just said something funny?
2: I wonder with those rare moments, whether it was the cast breaking, I and do they too. Just ran with it.
1: That's why I brought it up because it's like that type of line is very often said in this universe as just something people say, but this one just <laughs> broke the room. And I was like, I wonder if that's just how they filmed it. So, uh, he he says, Shiv, is this a date or what? Shiv says she doesn't know. I don't know. I mean, honestly, it probably isn't. I mean, I don't know. It knew me, Pierce, dad, dad. Kendall then looking at his phone says that his team, he's got a team. Of
2: course he got a team. Kendall's
1: got a team. Of course he does. Send him something. It's Bun Pierce who was tagged on Insta by some girl at dad's. So do, do we
2: assume this is Bridget? Oh, of course we do. Yes. It's yeah. a thousand percent Bridget. So well, the fact that she tagged Bun Pierce is Carrie, right? That she actually is just a corporate plant, but Pierce has put her there to get a little bit of inside research as they're negotiating this deal.
1: Wait a second. The line is Bun Pierce, who was tagged on Insta by some girl at dad's, right? So, so this isn't Bun Pierce, isn't Bridget.
2: Right. I'm saying that Bridget has been hired by the Pierces, and that was one of the signs that she's tagging the Pierces on the event.
1: So could be, very well could be, or just could be... She's stupid. She's stupid. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Because we get later on Colin saying that she had posted something on social. I think this is the probably the yes. picture they're talking the about. the
2: reference they're talking about.
1: He sells up, but with ATN spun off, Kindle says... What? So he's lining up a Pierce acquisition to add to his little ATM rump Shiv says, I guess I will say this about the show. If I have any sort of complaint about it is that some of the very quick inside baseball business talk can be a little hard to follow for people. You know, this, this show gets a bad rap for basically ignoring the middle of the country and just being something that people in you know California and New York watch.
2: This is true.
1: And I think it's lines like this that can alienate some people from it. Because how the fuck are people supposed to know he sells up, but with ATN spun off? What? So he's lining up a Pierce acquisition to add to his little ATN rump. I mean, I follow this fucking show on three hour podcast per episode. I still have trouble parsing it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how smart that is.
2: It seems to be his idea is that. He's adding extra assets to their bundle yes. so that when that they sell, he can keep ATN as a spun-off company uh, when, when they sell as part of the Gojo deal. So he can keep his own personal aspect of the Empire in some shape or form while giving them the same assets that they virtually negotiated for.
1: Yes. How many people watching this do you think understood that?
2: I didn't even understand at the moment. I just understood it. And I you really focused on it. and I thought about it for a minute.
1: I, I would say maybe five percent, ten percent of people caught that initially. Um, yes. Roman says it could just be a brain fuck. Dad twisting our turnips, playing the old fuck trombone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> sure. I wish people could. I wish this is a video podcast sometime. That one broke Spencer. Old fuck trombone had him <laughs> laughing. <laughs> right. It said,
0: "Yeah,
1: uh, set." Tom and Nay up just to torture us? Shiv laughs. Set them up to torture us? I mean, ah, she's talking about her father here. He's a sociopath, but he wouldn't be a good torturer. Not because he doesn't have the stomach, but because he doesn't have the patience, which I would say is a good fucking read on Logan.
2: I think that's perfectly fair. Yeah. We've not seen him. We've not seen that aspect of him. Yeah, I think Kendall, he has general patience, but not when it comes to torture.
1: No, yeah. Not, not the. That would take a lot of patience to be a torturer, mm. right? Kendall says he's going to call Nay Roman calls in Tele Tele Jelly Belle. One query. Pierce. PGN, what the vibes yield Rumbletron? Are they in play? (laughs) Words, words, throw them out, please. One query piece, PGN, what the vibes yield Rumbletron? Are they in play? I love Roman. In the the background, Kendall leaves a message for Naomi. So Naomi Mm -hmm. did not answer. So
2: that's
1: probably not a good sign. The guy says they are always open to offers. Sale is contingent. The sale contingent on the trust is itchy. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What does that mean? The sale contingent on the trust is itchy.
2: I mean, the the corporate we we see that it's family owned, you know, in some aspect of a trust. Uh, I don't know exactly what itchy means there. I'm assuming it means you want to scratch
1: it, so it's you you put attention to it.
2: Possibly, or that it is it's difficult to negotiate as a result of all that's going on. It's itchy in the sense in the sense of irritating. I don't know exactly. People just say things. Uh, it is
1: it is a little like that's
2: well, this guy that's, consistently exists to, throughout this episode to provide non advice and commentary that doesn't make that is to contribute at all to the discussion. Here's data point number one.
1: Yeah, it's just there's a lot of lines in this episode where I feel like people aren't going to really understand what the fuck they're they're trying to go for here. Um, so Kendall says they need five more and tele 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 walks off. They all look at each other with Roman clicking his tongue cut back to the party. And I say it's a party because it's it's rip roaring good time right now.
2: Well, I mean, we've got Wyla, Wyla and Connor here. What's not to like?
1: Connor at a robust one percent. He robust, is running for solid. is running for president. Has spent a lot of money on it. Is doing the thing.
2: How many seasons ago now was it? His dad telling him that this is a horrible idea. and You should stop. Two. So it was like it's end of season two.
1: End of season two on the yacht. He looks at yeah. him and he goes, "You're a fucking embarrassment."
2: And yet here we still are.
1: Connor is a little worried that his 1% could get squeezed. Greg, speaking for all of us, says squeeze down from one because that's the lowest number. And Connor says, no, there's decimals. <laughs> it,
2: it, and it seems Connor's motivation here is that if he can have 1%, and you, you're our political wonk, you're our, our guide on this subject. If he can have his 1%, it gets him in the room. It makes him part of the conversation. It makes him some aspect of a deal broker in, in, events, in events that go forward. Uh if it's less than 1%, he's an utter embarrassment, and this has been a profound waste of money. Is that about Connor's perspective on that? That's this? his
1: perspective. I, I I don't understand. So if they're focusing just on one-time shot, like will I get this number in one particular – like so he must be on the general election ballot in, some in some num-
2: way. What, what, Is this the primary or well, that's general I, at this point?
1: Well, I think it's the general now because like it's a little bit, it's a much more confusing question about like what, what number you're getting if you're going through an entire primary cycle, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's just saying, I'm trying to hold till 1% till the election, which would, which sounds like I'm waiting for a particular day. Mm -hmm. So he must be in the general. And if he is a third party candidate in the general, he has spent a fuck ton of money to get on the ballot in all these states a I'm lot. A, of I'm amazed money.
2: he got the signatures in all the states. Not not kind of well, money to do He would well. have to
1: pay for them basically. I mean yeah, like Yeah, sure. Um so he spent a lot of money and and it's very it and if he's get, if he gets 1% as a third party candidate, I don't think that gets him a darn thing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Zero. I mean, fuck. In 92, Ross Perot got like what? 22%. and That didn't get him anything either. Like it Yeah. Nothing.
2: It got him less the next time around when he ran. Um, um but Yeah. It, and what's notable is that to even maintain that one percent, what kind of financial investment is Connor talking about that he needs going forward?
1: One hundred million dollars.
2: Ah, ah. It it is the numbers they throw around on this show in this episode in particular are astounding. It's notable even this number seems to give Connor some element of pause. Certainly gives a while of pause.
1: Well, I mean, you know the. Candidates do spend in the general. The, the the actual nominee in general, in the general, for the, the Republican and Democratic side, both are spending over a billion dollars now.
2: Usually, they're not spending them out of pocket, out of their own. Well, pocket. no,
1: I would say no, uh, absolutely not.
2: I, I'm looking up how much Ross Perot spent on his own campaign. I'm curious. It's Greg's.
1: It has been a long time. That's that's been a long time. ago. Greg's Bridget asked what. That gets him if he'd win. Connor says it might keep him at 1%. He gets a place in the conversation. Great, great lining from Greg. That's good because the conversation is a place you want to be inside of. Cotter and Wyla are talking about it as if the $100 million – talking about the $100 million about if, if, if it's a good investment or not. Basically, that's kind of the, the discussion they're having.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you think, sir? I'm curious.
1: Uh, Perot probably spent – one hundred fifty million dollars.
2: I'm asking about Connor. I'm still looking at Perot. In uh, terms of Connor, Connor, spending another. Uh, Connor's million right Connor around.
1: shouldn't spend another five bucks on this. No, that's a terrible idea.
2: Uh, looks like Perot spent sixty-five million.
1: Yeah. See, there you go. It's 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 the amount of spending we do in these ca- in these campaigns now. It's like the the if you watch if you, just, if you just seen the curve, you would think there's something like where something has happened bad because like. We're spending a ton of money now, like you know, far oh, yeah. more than ever before. I think the Trump between all the PACs and the and the actual campaign, both Trump and Biden spent over a billion each on the last campaign, and it'll be more, of course, this campaign. So it, it does. I mean, I say that to say like the hundred million dollars isn't if he's if he's trying if he's on the ballot everywhere, and this is a paid media strategy to keep a, keep him at one percent throughout the country. He'd have to be. I don't know, in mo, advertising in most major media markets, a hundred million isn't that far off. Mm-hmm. Cuts to Logan who's being told when it comes to this new venture with Gogo. And if you talk to Matson, consider, <sighs> I don't know. Tom walks up and Logan says, right. Thank you. Basically pushing the guy away so that him and Tom could talk. The guy leaves. Tom sits down. He says, it looks good. Got the landing zone. Tom explains that Naomi thinks Nan has lost all interest in the business. Pierce, the, the business, the media business. She has the left are going after them now. Logan groans and the savages, they eat their own, which is a great viewpoint of conservatives yeah. toward liberals. They, you know, if you, to, if you talk to a real dyed in the wool conservative who follows this crap, like they, they will like sort of maniacally laugh about. How, for instance, no, in the twi- like, no in, like how in the twenty sixteen primary, like basically the Sanders campaign cannibalized the Hillary Clinton campaign. Now you could say you don't like her, whatever. It's fine if you don't like her. I don't. I don't care about that. What I care about is that this is a narrative that the conservatives have about liberals. They point to things like really, really difficult primaries in the left, and I think what they're directly calling out here is how a lot of people on the left don't like MSNBC anymore. Like they think what? that MSNBC is somehow like not far left enough. So you get this sort of funny line from Logan. Savages, they eat their own.
2: But well, it's notable in the universe. I mean, we hear from our trio that uh, Pierce has lost like half of its value. And if I yeah. remember back in like season two, didn't Logan offer them like twenty five billion or whatever else to buy them out? And now they're talking. Now he's making an offer for six,
1: which would align they- with MSNBC, right? Like, think about think about it. MSNBC as a as a media product has has dropped off a cliff in the last ten years.
2: This is true, I, it, and it, <laughs> it's going to raise questions later. To what degree this is at all a sound investment?
1: Tom says, "Yeah, the cousins won out, so I think a uh, last push on price, maybe a little tummy tickle on culture." Yeah, Naomi is flying off to reassure. You landed the plane, Logan. 48 hours and out. Congratulations. So, yeah. It's, 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 Tom is the king of celebrating too early. Loves to mm-hmm. do that. Logan asked him if he's heard from the rats. No. Mm. Good. Talking about his kids. Tom then says, one thing has been on my mind, though, sir.
2: Mm. <laughs> All right. Are you going to recite this whole thing or please otherwise just summarize it? Because dear Christ, does this ramble? I'm not going
1: to do it. I wrote it all down. But now that I see it it's taking lot. up almost a page on my fucking notes, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. In essence, Tom is trying to ask Logan if him and Shiv get
2: divorced. Where is he?
1: Can he still be top, you know, Logan's right hand man? You know, because his his whole win with the family was just because he was in with Shiv. He wasn't hired because Logan really liked his resume. I think Logan thinks it's a stupid question because I think at this point, you know, Logan's the type of guy that like is a big barrier to entry. But once you're in, he mm-hmm. seems to keep people in his inner circle a long time. I mean, look at like Jerry, Frank, uh Jerry, Frank and Carl have been around him for 30 years.
2: Yeah, not necessarily the most pleasant 30 years, but they're still there. uh it- I agree. He's referring to him as Tommy. He has a certain measure of loyalty when it comes to people that he views as his, perfectly still willing to throw them under the bus at whim wherever they are. They'll be well compensated for their efforts, of course. But I think Tom's looking for more assurance than that. I think he's looking for an actual degree of loyalty and commitment coming from Logan, to which Logan's line of, if we're good, we're good, is the most non-committal statement that Logan could say.
1: Yeah. Uh- but I mean, I feel like that's the best you're ever going to get from him. Because sure. he doesn't he doesn't give, he's not reassur- give you anything. He never gives reassurances about the future with fucking anybody. Ever. No, 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 no. At no, no, any no, point.
2: He's a giant. The rest rest of you are nothing more than pawns. If you're loyal pawns, he will continually use you in his game. But that no, don't second guess what your role is.
1: But I do think that he thinks it's a stupid question.
2: Yes he's clearly annoyed by it. Eventually he just cuts Tom off. Just saying, you know, if you and Shiv were to bust up, just like that, let's condense the last four paragraphs into, into five words here or six words here.
1: And then Tom says, well, (laughs) we had this experiment trial separation, but whatever happens will be good. Right. And he says, if we're good, we're good. Well, that's good. I'm heartened by that. I'm heartened.
2: heartened. I'm heartened too. Aren't you heartened by this? I'm heartened (laughs)
1: by that. Carrie, where's the grub? Tom's gone off his nut here. (laughs) <laughs> so I think that's the first indication that we have that Logan's hungry, by the way. Yes. Just a little, little detail of the scene.
2: Cut to K- the kids. Carrie needs a, like a snicker and a holster just around him at all times. Clearly, he's not, not himself when he's hungry.
1: Like a mom with the sort of like to-go cup of Cheerios all the time? Yeah.
2: So the little go-gurt squeeze it to give the child, yes.
1: Cut to the kids. So you were to think we should – so who are you to think we should be pining Pierce, right? Because that's obviously – what you are thinking let me just say that's quite the pivot so this is coming from rogan roman roman is saying like you're thinking we should buy pierce what the fuck that's a hell of a pivot away from creating our own media company called the hundred shift says fuck the Hundred. maybe they can do both can't we do both okay yeah let's launch a high-end high visibility execution dependent disruptor news brand while simultaneously performing cpr cpsr or CPR, CPR on a fucking corpse of a legacy media conglomerate.
2: Yeah, that was perfectly square. Yeah, no issue whatsoever with doing either, doing both of those.
1: Kendall asked if they should ask Tilly and the bankers. Roman, yeah, let's ask the Tellies. I wonder what he's going to say. Hey, Telly, would you rather have $5 million in fees from a funding round or $35 million from an acquisition?
2: You yeah, know, I'm not one for math, but that, that tends to limb in one direction over another in terms of what I'm sure unbiased advice he'll provide. I gotta say, I'm mostly
1: impressed with Roman this entire episode.
2: I, we're going to talk about who, the, who are the winners and losers at some point when we get there. Roman's doing pretty solid throughout a lot of this.
1: Roman asks, I thought we were going for the hundred. Small, new, fast on our feet. Kendall asks him if he's scared of fighting dad. Roman's like, no. Mm-hmm. It, isn't that just getting old? And uh, as the audience, hand up. I kind of led the podcast. It's, a uh, yeah, getting a little old. Not um, for
2: me. I'm still loving it.
1: I, I'm i still loving it. I'm obviously having a good time with the episode, but it is the same stuff over and over. I'm
2: so fascinated to see you actually say you're happy this is ending this season. I never thought I'd hear that if it was your first show you liked. It's
1: just, they're going to have to change it, it.
2: It feels like it's time. It feels
1: Ro- like it's time. Roman points out he spent the last three months talking about Kendall. You spent the last three months hunting down contributors and backers. Kendall says he doesn't even have a view, but it's worth the discussion. It's in our wheelhouse. It's a, a damler that's been in the barn for 20 years. Clear the chicken shit off that thing. Fucking maybe. So in essence, the argument they're having here is, do we go with our plan that we've been working on for three months, which by the way, three months for these people to be focused on the same thing might as well be twenty years for the rest of us. I mean, their attention spans here are kittens. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a big deal for them to have been working on something for three months. Or do they go with an established product and established platform that they then try to add their own spin to?
2: Sure. It's amazing how fast these characters pivot when they're given an opportunity to go with against something. Their dad. Yeah, that's entirely it. I mean, as Roman calls out later. The motivation here is no aspect of the established brand puts us in a better playing field, gives us the working resources to you know branch off from. This is purely dust. Our dad has always wanted this, and we have an opportunity to spite him at the eleventh hour.
1: Kendall says he doesn't. Well, Roman asks if they can even afford it.
2: Fair and question. The Kindle's, answer
1: is no. Kendall's sort of babbling in the background. Shiv says it's half now. So, eight, nine bills. So, that's what you're talking about, how they, yeah. they they basically lost half their market value in the last two years. After the Gojo sale, they'll have what, two or three billion? So, they're, what they're saying here is that they will only have two or three billion dollars in cash, but they can get financers for the rest of it. They can get basically a loan for the rest of it.
2: Yeah, let's see how that does. They're, they're li- they're, this is such an unnecessary all in that they're now pondering just now that it's appeared in front of them.
1: Or actually, it's probably not alone it's probably people going in Packers. with them yes. Yeah, kendall says if they partner up with our names these fucks here these pieces of shit some other pieces of shit our experience shiv as the yummy dummy dimmy my profile is the fearless fighter of the good fight you as the dirty little fucker pushing I, I, the filth buttons
2: i love roman jumping in midway through that conversation when kendall describes himself to say he really knows himself <laughs>
1: <laughs> My profile is the fearless fighter of the good fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think that's how anybody but Kendall I, sees it. I,
2: I can see the banner waving behind him already.
1: This is Kendall's explanation. New Gen Royce.
2: How do you feel? I mean, to what degree does Kent do Kendall and Shiv believe this at all? In terms of it being a sound investment, a wonderful strategy going forward. Or is it just purely they're seeing dollar signs on the subject of screwing over their dead?
1: I don't think it matters. Right? right. Like I think no, I don't that,
2: think they have any concept of money for them to care about that detail.
1: That's what I that's what I mean, is that like I don't think there's ever real accountability for these people. I think that they're too rich for there yes. ever to be they're real, removed. real accountability. So like if a deal works, if it doesn't work, if it's a smart deal, bad deal, like none of that really matters because they're gonna be in the same boat the rest of their life anyway, financially, they don't have any financial accountability. I think that what's important here is that they're working together because like if, if Pierce is going to succeed as a revamped new entry into the media market, that's all going to work because of the people who run the company and do the work. It's not because of Shiv's leadership or Roman's leadership or Kendall, like this deal really doesn't matter. What matters is that these three have decided, hey, let's work together. Let's continue to sit in rooms together talking as opposed to go off and do our own thing. And I actually think that's kind of cool that they're continuing. Like we've, we've talked a lot about on this podcast about the relationship of the siblings and if they actually are like sometimes they teeter between like seemingly genuinely hating each other to like, you see, like, oh, yeah, I see now that they really are siblings and there's an undercurrent of love there. I like that they're deciding to do this together. That's what that's my stance on this.
2: I understand that. I would note that going into this, Shiv has already been working out exit plans from day one. And Roman expresses every concern he possibly can under the sun, but goes into it on the basis of what you said they wanted to do something together. So there are cracks in the foundation already in terms of a joint enterprise.
1: A thousand percent, there are, and there never was and, not going to be. And,
2: and Kendall being Kendall, as set out later, man, would, that man is manic right now, and the alternative isn't going to be great.
1: Yeah, they were never. It was never going to be perfect. It was never going to no. be without. Like Shiv was always not gonna, perfect. She was always going to have an exit strategy. Roman was always going to be like sort of too cool for the situation. Kendall was always going to swing wildly and not have a real clear concept of the sure. value he truly adds to the operation. All that shit was going to be true anyway. I just like they're doing it together, i got to
2: say. I'm okay. A, I'm okay. a softie. On this show, let's we'll see how it goes.
1: Shiv says that as a company, it's much better than the made-up company of dreams they were ready to pitch. Boy, she will just throw her shit under it. Man, Man, the pivot. Her own idea. Woman's like, fuck you. You loved it. We were just pitching this 15 minutes ago. Shiv quibbles. I do. It's very exciting, but it's kind of bullshit. Shiv says that they want to do something. We have a seminal election coming it's 1933 and i want to i want to say Kendall says it wrong. makes sense start an empire guessing, with an established liked brand or at least rule it out go ahead
2: i'm guessing 33 is referring to the Jared election where hitler got placed in office the, 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 the it voting is. On, voting on the reich's chancellor
1: i believe that is what they're they're saying although i will say this we have gotten into now now that i got some age on me i i realize either this is something that has started happening or it's always happened so we got a elect presidential election coming, twenty twenty four. If yep. I have to, f- I'm going to have to hear it, but it is going to annoy me. Most important election of our
2: lifetimes. Has there been an election?
1: Most important election of our lifetimes.
2: I would love if we went into an election where everyone's basically saying, "Hey, eh, not that important," you know, just you know, not a big deal. Because we've been hearing the most important election of our lifetimes every single election for the last twenty years.
1: Yep. Greg goes up to Tom. So we're, we're cutting. To the the other, the party. Greg goes up to Tom and says, Disgustibus. Tom's face drop, and he says, So I hear you've made an enormous faux pas and everyone is laughing up their sleeves about your date.
2: This (laughs) is the most elitist little spiel that he has ever, one of the most elitist spiels he's ever gone on. It's impressive, even coming from Tom.
1: You know, you, you really have only, like I, you, you, you kind of like started dating somebody and stuck with her. You didn't really like date around for like 10, 15 no, years neither. of your life. So I, it's a hard, I, I can't ask you this question, but I will ask myself this question because of how good of an interviewer I am.
2: Go on. Use a different
1: voice. Lee, Lee, did you ever have this situation? Don't say the woman's name. Don't say her name. <laughs>
2: resist the urge.
1: where you took someone uh you know to a party and and they sort of embarrassed were sort of embarrassing and and, and, and was it and, on and the being, basis
2: of a large purse
1: In being completely sort of out of their element doing things sure. that were inappropriate for that scene other people talking about them because of their In the answer is going to shock you yes i uh-huh. absolutely uh-huh. have see if i asked mm-hmm. you that question i can't it's, there's only one person, so you would obviously right. be given given away who it is, right? So I can't ask you that question. I have, and it's a real, it's a real, it really does suck. I gotta say I feel bad for Greg here because mm. if, you know if you if because you you're basically you have a choice, right? You can just sell the person completely up the river, or you have to like buckle down and be like, well, you know what? Those purple pants are appropriate. At this wedding, you know, like or what the fuck ever that is being (laughs) joked about. So Greg's put in a tough position here by this little spiel where he says, well, because she's brought a ludicrously capricious bag, capacious bag. What's even in there? Flat shoes for the subway. Her lunch pail. I mean, Greg, it's monstrous. It's gargantuan. You could take it camping. You could slide it across the floor after a bank job. That last one was my favorite. Slide it across the floor after a bank job.
2: Has anyone actually complained about this, or is this just Tom doing doing Tom things to Greg, as he will do several different ways this episode?
1: I think people, I think it's I think it's in this crowd. There's been a few whispers, but Tom is overplaying it. That's of course. Guess. Greg says she's another tick on the chart. The disgusting brothers. Mm. Tom tells him not to say that. Tom says, "Yeah, well, she's used all the display towels in the bathroom. and other <laughs> sopping wet. She's <laughs> gabbling." Gabbling about gabbling herself, with the word? Yes, and posting on- us.
2: <laughs> gabbling Keep was the it. word.
1: I was wondering because you just you 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 corrected me on the last one. I was making sure I didn't screw that. No, it was, She's was the gabbling. She's gabbling about is. herself and posting on social media. She's asking people personal questions. I mean, my God, asking people personal questions. She's wolfing all the wolfing out all the canapes like a famished warthog. Greg says people are overreacting. <laughs> you are the laughing stock of polite society. You will never go to the opera again.
2: <laughs> Once we hit that at the end, I think even Greg should realize that Tom's just pulling his chair. Yeah.
1: You will never go to the opera again. She comes up and they say they need. To, she says they need to go. She asks Logan for a selfie. Okay.
2: This, though, provides some credence to the shit Tom has been saying. I don't know if there's a more thing that she could have done to put her completely ostracized from polite society for the foreseeable future than ask Logan for a selfie.
1: It's sort of unbelievable, like, that she would do that. I mean, like, even if you don't know Logan's personality, yeah, it's still a strange thing to do, right?
2: If I'm I'm invited to one of these events, assuming I'm not actually a corporate spy, uh, if I'm invited to one of these events and someone like, you know, Rupert Murdoch is there, mild comparison to, you know, Logan. What? Even if there's a family connection, I'm not going up to that guy. I'm not going anywhere near him without somebody on my arm to introduce me to him. That's it. I'm not going up to him sight unseen.
1: She came up to him and said, congrats on the deal. Ka-ching, am I right? All right, all right. Look, we don't we didn't see it.
2: Yeah, we d- yeah, what
1: do you yeah. think Logan's reaction was?
2: I don't think he, I, I don't even think he engaged. I don't even think he said a damn word. I think he just gave her a face that would curdle milk and walked away.
1: I think it's you know, sometimes you can catch him playful where he kind of likes people who are completely out of his orbit. And there, I think there's a, like a 10% chance he would have like laughed at her and said, what's your name? You know, and like talk to her. But 90% of the time he's doing exactly what she said, which is where he looks at her. He gives her a sort of like baffled look and he just goes, and he just turns around like there's nothing. That
2: that noise, that exact noise, Brian Cox exists on that noise. But yeah. yes,
1: that. ka Am I right? Tom just looks at her and laughs when she says this, by the way, which is <laughs> wonderful
2: <laughs> credit to the actor who plays tom this this this, this is guy faking laughter but looking so damn convincing doing it that he could barely contain his just complete amusement at what has just occurred
1: Cuts to the kids tilly comes in and says nan's in touch with her bankers and she's honor bound to another buyer shiv who seems to know nan says yeah mm-hmm. but did she say no mm-hmm. because when we talked to, T- to nan later in the episode we realized that nan talks all the way around no but unless she says no it's not a no
2: Nan is very effectively playing two back. Now, Nana is over the moon. She has two different people now that she can have compete against each other. And though she's continually pretending to be above the situation, she is... R- Her goal here is to stoke the flames any way she can. He says, While no. While appearing well, indifferent to it all.
1: She says, no, they didn't, she didn't say no, but they are close to agreeing to the outlines of a deal. They're close to agreeing to the and outlines, the outlines of, a of a
2: deal. That is lawyer speak. I'm proud of a sentence like that.
1: Spencer, do you have plans tonight? I don't have a plan tonight, but I do have the general makings of an outline of a scheduled plan later.
2: I don't not have plans, but I will report to you later on the progress of developing those not plans at that later date.
1: He says there's not a ton of interest in managing the family's nightmare, so they are Looking for a preferred bidder on a bilateral. She wants to lock in that bidder tonight, but did she say she would speak to Shiv? Well, yeah, maybe she would. Maybe she would speak to Shiv. So Shiv then gets notice. This is look. Kill me in the comments if you want. Shiv loves anything where in the situation it appears she is special, right?
2: Very much so. Yes, Shiv. That that is the the best uh, best way to sh- best and fastest way to Shiv's heart is to recognize recognize her the way she feels she deserves.
1: Because she got super excited here. And goes. Should I call? Should I call? Just mm-hmm. check in at Grey Gardens. You know, go mano a nano. Mm-hmm. Just see if there's anything there at all. Kendall says, work your magic. Kendall's in an interesting mood here because he's very willing. It's, you know, I, I spent a, I spent multiple seasons on the Kendall train.
0: Yeah.
1: And season three finally knocked me off that horse. I had to finally quit. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to get back on up I'm not not the horse but a pony I'm just saying that of all the versions of Kindle that we've gotten he seems pretty willing to delegate here which is actually pretty healthy for him
2: well, we see several Kindle's relationship with his siblings is in some ways better than it ever has been yeah Kendall's not necessarily as great as he's ever been, had been but his relationship with his siblings seems to be quite solid he's delegating here he's working actively to, he's committed to this deal from the, mo- the word go. And he's working to make it happen through means of his siblings and making sure his siblings are on board. That's positive. Even if like, he's the also not, driving the, he's not yeah. driving
1: the decision-making because he's not driving the decision-making because when deferring. the idea of the Pierce deal comes, he goes like, I don't know, but it's something to think about. Right. And then as the room starts to turn, Shiv really advocates for it. Roman yeah. starts to turn a little bit. He goes, yeah, well, maybe it's a good idea, but he's not the one trying to play social director. He's not, not, he's just kind of letting things happen around him, which is actually, uh, I'll say for an addict, probably really, really good for him that he's not trying to control everything. So shout out to Kendall. Maybe Kendall is back. Is Kendall back?
2: I don't think Kendall. Well, it, it nah, depends no, back to where. Right. Depends nah. back to where. What he's stage not. of Kendall have we returned to? It's always going to recur. Well,
1: I mean, when I say is Kendall back, I mean, like, is Kendall back where I thought he Can- was, but he never was?
2: Uh Kendall is in a more tolerable <laughs> state now than he was at almost any moment in season three. I will say that
1: much. But he is—he has not gotten, and will never get to the point that you hoped he was in at the end of season two.
2: I, he hasn't gotten to the point of where I hoped he was at the end of season one, for Pete's sake. <laughs> Kendall comes.
1: Uh, no, then we cut um, to Carrie coming up to Logan. And ah, I, I just don't know what to make of their interaction. Because now I got this thing of the daughter planted in my head.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's kind of swinging both ways. I think at a minimum we can say that. She doesn't seem overly intimidated by Logan's bad moods. No. And she is playful with him, but not in a way that seems to annoy Logan.
2: It isn't. It seems like she's still at least a little bit afraid of him, though. It seems like she is still feeling that she can play, play with him, feeling like, be with him, feeling like that she's the most trusted advisor. But when she starts to see his mood not responding, she, like, she almost like tremors a little bit. She almost seems like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do?
1: So this is a conversation I, I will have at Spencer's wedding one day. Um, Hey Spencer, it's hey. nice, huh? It's nice, huh? And then Logan, Spencer in this, in this diatribe says, little piggies all stuffing their mouth. Why is I'm, everybody so fucking happy?
2: I have said those exact lines before in more than one <laughs> setting. This is true. <laughs> Gary laughs.
1: It just goes, you okay? Logan says, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I got done a huge fucking deal at exactly the right time. I got ATN plus peers, plus the election. I got plenty on my fucking pipe except Carrie food. Says, sure. Uh yeah, it, th- thank you. This is this is what everybody's missing is that the guy's just fucking Man's hungry.
2: Man's he's hungry. He he's hangry. He and also he, he, he also just hates being
1: here. He does, but he he's not a type of guy you should keep waiting on food ever. Carrie says, "Sure. I I thought there might be a churchman. A cardinal was mentioned." But a fucking class. What about Jared? <laughs> oh, he's fun. Carrie says, "He hopes too. Carrie says, "Jillian Oh, whoop you whoop Carrie asks if she could be in touch with the kids. Logan mm. says, "I'm not going to sit like a cut waiting for that old crone."
2: This is interesting. Why do you? She is the one. Carrie's the one that's trying to push Logan and the kids to interact. Is that purely just on the basis of she thinks they want to, and she's just brokering it, or what? What, what do you think? What's her objective there? Because you're. you're Go on, just say it out loud. Don't be quiet. She's the
1: daughter, and she doesn't like the idea he'd be estranged from his kids for the rest of his life. I mean, I don't know, man. That it, it's Poor it does. DHS. It will You. It's one I'm, of those. I'm not in.
2: I'm not in yet. I want. I'm not I, need, I need more evidence. I'm not
1: either. But because this show doesn't do that sort of mystery that, box that, storytelling, it doesn't. That would do feel. That cheap. Stuff. It would feel a little cheap. It doesn't do this type of stuff. But at the same time, like. There, Once I have it in my head, there does seem to be a lot of clues because it's a great question because if she was just mistress and she was genuinely concerned about like I just need to gain as much influence as possible with Logan, that's my goal, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I've stiff-armed Marsha to shopping in Milan forever and ever then she wouldn't want the kids back in his life she wouldn't want to be pushing this conversation
2: unless she feels that he's more stable malleable and controllable with the kids presence we do we do get some evidence to indicate that logan is a bit more on tilt even than normal with the kids out of his life
1: it's quite a gamble though to bring them back if you if you if your Certainly. ultimate goal is control over logan because you never know i mean like could be number one boy situation again kendall could be back
2: this is true. This is true.
1: <laughs> Logan says, when he says, I'm not going to sit like a cunt waiting for that old crone, he's talking about Nan and Logan walks off. Dramatic music plays. Mm-hmm. He walks into the room and everyone is telling him, happy birthday. It you know was kind of funny. They've already sung him happy birthday. And he walks back in and the whole crowd just sort of like pulls back up, up into it. And it's like, he hated this the first time. You think he's going to like it second the second time? He walks you're not earning. Stairs.
2: If you're if the reason you're here is to earn favor, cachet, learn what to do and not do. Be there, be vaguely disappointed, and be silent. That's all Logan will like you more for that. I'll
1: tell you this, I've got a lot of fussy friends. I've got a lot of friends who are like just kind of like interesting personalities, not always in a good mood that I have to kind of like shepherd, feel out. I'm all like tell me if I'm I'm misconstrued my, if I'm kindling here, tell me if I'm kindling and not representing go myself on. properly. But I feel like I'm, I'm often the guy who tries to be like positive around groups. Like, Hey, let's get yes. everything going. And let's like, let's There's, go here. Let's do
2: this. The, the, the social relationship Sherpa.
1: That's what I'm trying to do. Most of the time. What Logan does here to Colin is like my dream for like half my friends that like, if they're in a shitty mood at a party that they would pick me to go to the diner with, this is like my fucking <laughs> top of the mountain <laughs> dream. Oh, sir, God.
2: Y- sir, you rank high in terms of my immediate. I just need to get out of here, Lee. Please, let's go get let's go get pancakes.
1: I'll tell you because I because like as, when I saw that I was like, oh man, that's like the dream for me as a friend to be the Colin that your friends in a bad mood, everybody's singing him happy birthday, they don't want it, all this crap's happening. Colin, come with me. We're going to the diner. Like, <laughs> awesome. I think it's cool. I,
2: I like that they said uh, yes. Absolutely, sir. You can count on me. We, we, we will do this at some point. When I, the many points in the future where I am annoyed.
1: It's pretty much like every body you hear on the Mangum Talks podcast channel. Like, yeah. It's you, Levi, BJ, everybody from the Mangum Talks podcast. All of you guys have kind of like a, a vein of fussy in you. All of you, I would, <laughs> I would really hope if you were in a foul mood would pick me to go to the diner with. I don't know, but that's just my dream.
2: We're going to New Orleans sir, uh, soon, sure. Soon, sir. It may happen.
1: Yeah, maybe we do. Maybe we just, we bust out for a couple, a couple uh, of We're going trips. for crawdads. We'll, we'll tell this story on pod if it happens. Shiv says, it is dad confirmed. She's a complicated woman. She's like, no, no, I'm honor bound by my, my mind is made up and, mm-hmm. but how soon can you be there? Um, so she's talking about the, the conversation with Nan Roman. Um, you know, he's run the numbers here. He's consulted a few business analysts. He concludes, fuck her.
2: Kendall we asked tell her to fuck off. Fuck her.
1: Kendall asks Shiv what she thinks. Shiv says Nan hates Logan, but she doesn't trust the kids. She says, we're like wax fruit. She doesn't know if we're real. Roman asks if they can tell her to fuck off. Maybe not go back to the mat with that, you know, back in that fucking room. Kendall says, cards on the table. Yeah, I do like Pierce. Shiv agrees. Roman says, fuck's sake. Shiv says, it's off the shelf. We don't have to get this tailored. We don't have to build it from the ground up. It's off the shelf. We don't
2: have to work.
1: Yes. You don't. Yes. Shiv, the one who did not want to spend two to three years training to become the CEO of Waystar Royco. She wanted to have it today
2: she can waltz into an established she doesn't product. want they to build
1: something of course she doesn't want to build something she wants it off the shelf she says she likes the other thing much she likes this more and besides everything else might fall apart he kendall might go on a killing spree in Seven Eleven, and you roman might get your dick stuck in an ai jerk machine roman says let's hope
2: let's hope <laughs> <laughs> oh. in, in, in fairness to Schiff here, having an established product has a lot of advantages has a lot as in some ways fewer risks the issue is what established product this is it's an established product that has lost more than half its value in between two seasons in the present it's not necessarily it's not something you should be paying a premium on it's something that you've got the negotiating power with
1: shiv says she has to look after herself that is true because nobody else will and she likes this roman you want to fly there like nan pierce little windsor dog show bitch Kendall says it's just a check out. We're just checking it out. Shiv agrees. Roman
2: sure.
1: he says he doesn't know. He's worried. You want to fuck Dad? You want to fuck Tom? I'm the only one here who wants to set up a business and not fuck anyone.
2: I think he, I, I think Roman's perfectly telling the truth there. I think he really is actually getting a little bit frustrated with everyone else's desire to burn the world around them, whereas he would just prefer to build.
1: Kendall says it's unrelated to fucking Dad. I don't believe you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I nor do you. I.
1: I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe it. and it like uh, it, Roman Kendall tries a couple of times. Like he's like, and uh, seriously, seriously, <laughs> seriously,
2: don't believe you. Seriously, seriously, don't believe
1: you. He just keeps getting cut off. Roman, like me, just doesn't believe Kendall that this has nothing to do with that. Shiv says, well, it's not a Shiv always, you know, doing the middle ground thing, which she's good at. She is. She, she's been in politics. She knows how to like sort of jump in and say, all right, let me let me get this argument back on the road here she says it's not necessarily about getting back at dad but if it hurts him it doesn't bother me so a little bit more of a realistic take here that's something roman can digest she suggests that maybe roman doesn't like conflict roman does the thing that we all do when somebody calls out a thing about ourselves that is true that we do not want to face and smacks his gums and rolls away
2: yes exit stage left uh which I I, I will give Kendall credit here. I mean, she, she, as you said, was trying to be the mediator. Kendall just straight up admits it. Just goes right into it with the next line about honestly, Rome, being rational, putting aside inner inner scene, family concerns, the personal tittle-tattle. Just think about how fucking funny it would be if we screwed Dad over on his decades-long obsession. It's like, thank you, Kendall, for just accepting the elephant in the room that, yes, that's the only reason you're doing this.
1: Can we just talk about Kendall being Kendall here with this line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Honestly, Rome. No one calls him Rome but him. No. Being rational, which he never is. N- nope. Putting aside the internecine family concerns, the personal tittle
2: tattle. He's not. He's getting directly further in the muck.
1: Who the fuck talks like this? This is an Kendall. insane
2: way to talk. <laughs> Kendall and this show. Those are the <laughs> things that talk like that.
1: Cuts a Logan walking in the park. He seems irritated. Shocker. Collins walking. Get ah, good 10 feet behind him. They go into a diner and sit down.
2: Looks like a nice diner.
1: Spencer, we've talked uh, on the Lasso Lowdown podcast recently. I asked you a very pointed question. I asked, when was the last time you cried over a piece of media? Mm-hmm. You gave me a Tom answer. Uh-ba-da, 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 you couldn't really I, remember I did. Time. I struggled, yes. It's been a while. I want you to sit down because you are going to cry when I do this one, okay?
2: I'm here.
1: Logan to Colin. You're a good guy. You're my pal. You're my best pal. I mean, what are people?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no transition. No transition. One to the other. This,
1: I, this is my favorite scene of the episode. By the
2: way, it, it's a great scene. And I, we are, at the end of this scene, we're, we're going to have thoughts, sir. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about what the hell this guy's been. You're a good guy.
1: You're my pal. You're my best pal. And it's his security guard. That's his best friend in life, is his yep. security guard. Like, it would be sad if Logan wasn't 100 feet tall.
2: Would, would, would we also say that he's – I would say Colin's a little bit more in a security guard. Do you think he more resembles like a body man slash security guard? I mean, obviously, he's but, he's gotten a more – But he's, he's gotten an closer employee. with the
1: family. He He's trusted with a lot of things that a normal security guard. But he – he's basically his. yeah he's his hired help like it it, again it would be sad if this wasn't Logan if this wasn't somebody who's seen without flaws if it was anybody else we would look at this and go man it sucks this guy doesn't have real friends
2: this is one of several moments we see just how profoundly lonely Logan is which is something we haven't really previously seen out of Logan that much he's kept it well hidden or it's been off camera but this is a this is as frank as Logan gets in terms of what we see out of him in this scene
1: what are people they're economic units. I'm a hundred feet tall. These people are pygmies, but together we form the market. What is a person? It has values. It has aims, but it values in a market: marriage market, job market, money market, market for ideas, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So everything's a market. Everything I try to do, people turn against me. He sounds like. Doesn't he sound like the emperor here? Everyone hates me. Everyone's against me. Like he Wait, just. You, you did build a Death Star twice. Sir. Lean into the hate. Um, everything I try to do, people turn against me. Nothing tastes like it used to, does it? Nothing is the same as it was. you think there is anything after this? Afterwards?
2: God, we're ranging far in this conversation.
1: <sighs> Colin says, my dad is very religious. Logan cuts that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But realistically, though. I don't know. That's it. We don't know. We can't know. But I've got my suspicions. I've got my fucking suspicions.
2: Sir, What? Do, what are his suspicions? What do you think Logan is saying here?
1: I think he's saying that he's, he's obviously thinking about the end. He's obviously mortality. And I think he thinks I built all this for nothing because there's I'm going to die and and there's no afterlife. There's no nothing. Mm -hmm. And it it just all goes away. I've spent my whole life working to just lose it all when I die. And then like, yeah, that's kind of the things like these, you know, these people who like work until they're like 80 it's like what did you if you if the if the work wasn't what you enjoyed like you got to be honest with yourself because if the work is what you enjoy great but if the work isn't what you enjoyed and you worked till you were eighty five the fuck you were you working for you are going to die fairly soon after this so I don't know I mean I kind of took it as an old guy who's been a workaholic his entire life looking back and saying hmm I'm not sure that was the best path I'm not sure I nailed this
2: no i agree i i think i, I- I also agree with your conclusion that he's assuming nothing, that there is no afterlife, that there is no path to this, that this was it, everything that I did was this, and what did that ultimately mean? I'm I'm with you in that read. I saw a lot of people online saying that this is a Logan that's fearing eternal damnation, which Mm. could be another spin on the conversation and fit into the same themes about questioning your own prior life decisions. I don't see it in Logan to be somebody that's fearing hell. I I don't, that doesn't seem to be the Logan we've seen much.
1: No cuz it doesn't seem he doesn't seem scared he seems angry.
2: Yes.
1: He's angry there's nothing after this. That that he he's worked his whole life to accomplish all of this stuff and then it just slips away because his body gives out. Like yeah, it doesn't seem he is, he probably doesn't it. seem fair. Like right. you know and I I can get that, you know that you you've, you've accomplished all this, you've worked this hard just to crap out cuz your body's old. Yeah. Cut to Carrie calling the kids. Or brothers and sisters, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Carrie is saying she can't hear them very well. It, but look, here's the th- here's what's so funny: the the Carrie is daughter thing makes this conversation fucking hilarious.
2: It makes it nightmarish.
1: Yes. <laughs> Shiv comes in. Look, Carrie is explaining to Roman that she can't really hear him that well. There's something in the background. Shiv comes in off the top rope. Randy Savage elbow. Tell her you could hear her better if she take Dad's cock out of her mouth.
2: Credit to Shiv. She just comes in with these lines every now and then throughout the entire series. We could count on Shiv to just out of nowhere, throw something like this at.
1: Yeah. And she doesn't, the cool thing about Shiv is she doesn't shoot for the leg, you know? Like if, she, if, she's gonna, totally. if she's going to worry with a gun, it's, it's, it's head or heart. Like if she's going to take <laughs> the shot, it's always a hard shot, but her reaction to it carries reaction to the, all the sexual suggestive stuff.
2: <laughs> Roman immediately shares.
1: Yeah, but it does kind of play into this idea that, like, she's, like, kind of like, what? Like, uh, like almost, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem, it seems like she's more surprised slash shocked by it than angry or offended. I don't know. Maybe I'm it, reading too much into it. It.
2: Could, I mean, it could just be she hasn't had much of an opportunity to interact with the kids, honestly. But we, we didn't see that as much as that during season three. She was still solidifying her position. So she may not be used to them at their most unfiltered.
1: But all of this is stuff Logan didn't ask for. Logan didn't ask her to make this call. Not at
2: all. None no.
1: of this shit. This is all Dude, Gary is just ordered. Yeah. And she says, would, um, would he consider at least a call? Shiv ask if he's apologizing. Kendall ask if, if he asked. That's a great thing from Kendall. Did he ask? Yeah. Did he, did dad ask? Did, did he want to know? <laughs> Gary says, I, uh, <clears throat> I just know it would mean a lot to him. Roman asked him to call. So basically, no, he didn't ask. Roman asked him to call and Carrie says, eh, it'd be a lot to ask him to call. Roman says, eh, well, I know it pretty well, actually. I mean, we've never licked his big omelet nipples, but Carrie <laughs> cuts that off.
2: <laughs> I have never heard that way of describing that part of the anatomy. It's going to stick with me, though.
1: Big omelet nipples?
2: <laughs> nope. Nope. That one's a no one on me. <laughs> how
1: about this? How about, how about this in the negotiation for affection? I could get him to text a request for a call.
2: Ground is being made. We're having a very successful mediation right now.
1: But she's going to do this text, right? Yeah. She's not going to text. Logan's not really going to text it.
2: Yes. She's going to borrow his phone to do it.
1: Yeah. I'm afraid we're going to need to hear that voice, Carrie. Okay. You can pop it back in your mouth now. We're getting on the plane. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Carrie just says, Dick.
2: Yes.
1: In comes Carl. He says they have a problem that Logan isn't calling or isn't answering the phone, basically, when he's calling. He can't get a hold of Logan.
2: And I like that he turns to Carrie to be the one that Logan's actually going to answer the call from.
1: Yeah, and then Carrie calls, and Logan picks the phone up. And we see the kids flying out. Then we see Connor running to talk to Wyla. He calls her baby, and Wyla seems uncomfortable by that. I don't know if you noticed that little moment where he sits down and he says, Hey, baby. And she's like, Ugh.
2: Is there ever a moment where Wyla is comfortable around? Connor's affection. There were some times in some prior seasons where it looked like they were heading in that direction. She's not there right now.
1: Every time, it always seems that she like it's. It's almost like she's watching a movie or watching a television show, and she appreciates that the character is able to have affection. Or, but it. it she never seems to appreciate that it's being directed at her. Mm-hmm. The only, the only appreciation we ever see is almost like a, Oh, Connor, you are, you are a sweet guy. Like yeah. you are a nice guy in the abstract. I'm glad that you are having these emotions, but never, I'm glad you're feeling them towards me.
2: Right. It's like, it, it's, it's the classic response to, I love you. And the person responds, Oh, isn't that nice? Mm-hmm.
1: So basically I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but I will say this. <laughs> Please don't. Connor wants to jazz up the wedding. To make the yep. news, to get free media, so he doesn't have to pay a hundred million dollars to keep his one percent. That is yep. what's going on here. In it, he uses a phrase I have not heard in a very long time: "bum fights."
2: Bum fights. Even wildly, so call out that one
1: is so offensive. It's like there was a time, you know, we. It's funny you're talking to kids now, like who are like eighteen, nineteen, because like we have to try to explain some of the humor that we've seen in our lifetime at this point. Because you and I are both we, in our late thirties, like we have to explain things like roofie jokes were once funny.
2: Oh yeah, like like and not, that and not used just to like be funny, and like you know popular consciousness funny, like you know bum fights were not episodes of The Simpsons kind of categories of funny. That's we that's thought like, it was right.
1: funny the concept that you would get two homeless people to people, fight. People who have slipped through the cracks of society, who have nothing, who live in abject poverty and pain, get them to fight for your own amusement—fucking emperor of Rome style in the fucking, you know, Colosseum—and that's funny. And there but, were actually videotapes but, called bum fights that people passed around the early internet. God, we I mean,
2: sucked. I, I mean, I, there's, a, there's a fun skit you should watch the time on college humor where they're unpacking a, like we're going to do pranks like in '80s movies, and then realize that all of the pranks in '80s comedies were just rape. That's just all much. what they were pretty much. It's like, no, no, no. We're going to do a modern, appropriate prank. We're going to full eclairs, full of dog cum like in Van Wilder. And that's what we do nowadays.
1: Like like uh, the breakfast club when the guy goes down under the under the <sighs> desk and he just sticks his hand right up the girl's dress. Like, oh, that, there you go. That's a funny joke. Yeah. Bum fights. And I like that of all the crazy shit he says, and he does say a lot of crazy shit. That's the one Wilder goes. Bum fights. bum fights connor you're sounding unhinged <laughs> uh,
2: he ranges between brass bands at the statue of liberty to bum fights razor wire goodie bags jet packs and confetti guns he's just throwing things out there right it, yeah he sounds unhinged at every so, stage of this
1: i will say this though as somebody who does break down the mandalorian every week if you are going to have a jet pack you have to be very careful about the amount of fuel you keep on hand
2: Fair, because
1: fair. you can run out of fuel when you're chasing a pterodactyl
2: Mm -hmm. that may have may or may not have stolen a baby.
1: So he asked her just to consider it. She says, basically I'll consider it, but they don't make any decision here. Greg goes up to Tom. Tom explains. Carrie knows where he is and he's coming back now. Tom asks. So so that's our, that by the way, so I like your, your earlier point, right? Where you, you called out that he's not answering for Frank or any of those, the old heads, but he will answer for Carrie. This is our, Acknowledgement in world that that he did actually answer for Carrie because Tom has explained Carrie knows where he is and he's coming right. back now. Tom asks Greg why he's smiling. Greg leans down. The disgusting brothers on motherfucking tour.
2: Tom indicates later that they basically just went out for a couple beers, but man, has Greg just seized on this label? Well, do we? If we believe Tom, if we believe Tom, I'm and not maybe sure. I him.
1: I think that Tom, while drunk. Completely co-signed the disgusting brothers moniker, probably high-fived him a lot, and now is regretting doing it.
2: Yes, whether they, whether Tom has actually done anything under the disgusting brothers label, I'd be I I have doubts about.
1: So this is this is the type of thing where I don't think we need to get too personal about
2: our own experiences. <laughs> Great, yeah. <laughs> 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 you, you, you don't have to persuade me not to overshare on podcast
1: i'm just gonna throw that out there uh, maybe uh, we uh, should uh, just talk about the characters and not ourselves right now. good
2: call greg,
1: greg explains we just did it she's a firecracker man she's crunchy peanut butter okay all right I gotta, is, I gotta pause
2: this man what? is even worse than i am at locker room talk
1: can i yank up locker room talk that's a funny reference. can i yank up the emergency break here all right, I usually kind of understand. Like the crazy thing Kendall said about him and Naomi's relationship, I would never say it, but when I read it, I go or hear it, I go, "Oh yeah, well, I guess I kind of get." I don't under what crunchy peanut butter.
2: That, that is what <laughs> that man said. Interpret to as to you will. Anything?
1: Is that just like random word generator? You, did you're, they? Did you're they gonna get use like... it now? Did they get like chat GPI or whatever that thing is to just, say, yeah. to, to just come up with a fucking succession line? She's crunchy peanut butter. I've never heard somebody explain somebody being like wild or promiscuous or whatever as crunchy peanut butter. That's a, I, that's a wild one to me.
2: I will bet you $50 if you use that successfully to describe another person in conversation within the next week.
1: So I can't do that. Here's what I can do. <laughs> that's
2: why I know.
1: Here's what I can do. We're going to New Orleans, yes, for a bachelor party. Yeah, where I'm sure we'll go to bars and to all, you know, just go all around Bourbon Street and stuff. I will at some point. You, you, you're not going to remember this. Uh, the entire group of of all of us will be there. I will go up, talk to someone, and come back and say. I don't know about her, guys. She's crunchy peanut butter. I will do this (laughs) at one
2: point. I promise you.
1: This I promise you. I'm holding you
2: to this, sir. I'm holding you to this.
1: This I promise you. Greg says we were looking for the armory slash cigar humidor.
2: Sure. Yep. Go (laughs) on.
1: Pulled me into the guest room and bingo, bango, hit that bango. Oh,
2: Greg, I missed you so much.
1: (laughs) Tom seems surprised. Greg, you are fucked. You're fucked.
2: Okay, 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 okay. Tom goes on to say that there's CCTV in all the rooms. Is Tom full of shit? No. I'm assuming, Tom, I, I'm assuming Tom's just making this all up. That's where I'm coming from on this.
1: I very well could be. 100%.
2: Particularly if Logan the, watches the CCTV at night. So that's, like,
1: that's him thinking that Logan's like Darth Vader. That, that, that's his, his own headcanon. I think this is, I think this happens to be true, but here's what I'll say. If it wasn't true, Tom would have said the exact same words.
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, clearly.
1: He's cambered up the wazoo, which yeah. room, every room, you know that Greg's like, I did not. He says, I'm serious. And he says he, he, he was a scotch. He watches it every night to see if somebody stole a butter knife.
2: Obviously gonna that's fucking, not true. going <laughs> to
1: fucking get a fucking cut You like a rainbow trout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so injury, I, I view this in the exact same category of all of the pranks Tom has played on Greg, Craig, and Greg's just dumb enough to go along with it. I don't think an ounce of this is true, particularly not that Logan's ever going to find out about. It.
1: I think it's I think it to, for Logan to allow this many people into his house. I do think it would make sense for him to have cameras. I, I now, but it, but again, it's almost immaterial because even if it wasn't true, he'd still tell Tom would have said the same exact words.
2: Yes, it's, it is whether whether has an ounce of truth to it or not. Is this all is, is all the pin-
1: it's, uh, yeah, we're almost not even having a conversation about Tom now. We're having a conversation about Logan, right? Like, yes. Would Logan do this, yes or no? Because Tom's going to do this regardless, right? Yes. So here's the explanation from our guy, Greg, who we, we both genuinely love.
2: Yes. Come on. Our Please. hands were down say each other. feet. it slow. Hands. Yeah. <laughs> say it slow. <laughs> Make it good for me. Come on. We had
1: a bit of a rummage.
2: A rummage, yes. Did you <laughs> rummage to fruition, sir?
1: Can I not say? <laughs> This is the best one. Well, you've accidentally made him a sex tape, Greg.
2: Okay, you talked about you were concerned that we would get maybe too much of these guys. At this uh, moment, I don't care. I miss them so much.
1: Tom, I, yeah, Tom and Greg really are. You know, it's 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 very similar type stuff all the time. But I, it's so good that I, I'm not remotely sick of it. Yeah, we could we need a lot more of this rest of the yes, season. Yes,
0: yes.
1: If this is truly the last season, although I could see them doing something like, this is the last season logan dies at the end but then they do like a hbo made for tv movie type thing where the kids are doing something 10 years later
2: no they got well they got to wait 10 years deadwood stuff before they can do that
1: i, I i'm not 100 percent sure that it's going to be over after the season but we'll see um logan comes in party's over rival bid so all right down to business he asks for carl jerry frank tom upstairs let's flush it out let's go
2: mm-hmm. we're on what the warpath now
1: Cut to the kids arriving at Nans with the old school succession playing in the background, but it's like a variation on a theme. I think it's like a one person piano version of the. Dun, 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 dun. It's very cool.
2: We, we we haven't been to this Pierce house before. We previously flew out to like think their island or whatever else. This Correct. looks like a palatial vineyard estate and somewhere in California,
1: Southern ever. California, I think. Yeah. Kindle, Kindle gets there and they see Naomi. I'll tell you this about Naomi, the actress and how they have costumed her has changed so dramatically since the end of season three, I thought they'd recasted the character.
2: I I think that they've costumed her matters a lot for that. They're going with a different theme. She comes across as being in a better headspace than she even was previously, too, so they may be leaning into that, but it it is a stark difference.
1: Well, I think what they've done, and they're they're not going to talk about it much, but I think what they've done is they've set up, like, Kendall. Kendall's battle with addiction is very... Um, it is not what any healthcare provider would tell you to do. I know that's shocking
0: <laughs> to everyone. Because
1: even at the end of this, he's like, "Yeah, let's go break open some champagne, right?" Yes. I think Naomi is a little bit more by the book, and how she's addressing hers. Like she seems sober, sober. Not yeah. like California sober or rich person sober. She seems like sober, sober. What? And if you take it, you take somebody who's in like a true addict. Like she was displayed to us in season two, right? Like she, that, that's very much how they introduced her to us. And you give her two, three years of being sober, sober. You would probably have somebody who who feels a little different when they're around. So maybe that maybe this was intentional on behalf of, of how they've they've, they've introduced her. But I, I when it, when she came on screen, I had to I did a, like a triple take. I was like, did who, they recast who, that character? I don't that? recognize her.
2: Uh, who it, dat? Yeah, it, a little it's no- situation. I mean, it's notable what different role she's playing now versus when we previously saw her. Of where previously she was the wayward daughter. She was the problem Outcast. child. She was the she, Black she, sheep. she she very much. She was the embarrassment. Now she's Nan's right hand woman. Now she's now she's Nan's operative. Now she's the one that's the, that's passing the information. She's intimate with the family in a way that Kendall decidedly isn't.
1: Yeah, and that is again my and Nan Pierce seems like somebody who if they had if she had a family member granddaughter who was you know struggling with addiction would would require them to be like really like you
2: you couldn't be be you couldn't be doing a a family trust
1: yeah you couldn't be doing a kindle like you couldn't be showing up and being like no i'm good trust me i'm just gonna have this scotch at 10 a.m but trust me i've got this whole heroin thing figured out like (laughs) eh, that's probably (laughs) not nan pierce's vibe right Mm. so she says she's having a little wobble She's not sure it feels right to meet you guys. She feels terrible. Kendall, ask what they do. Talk, talking she, about that. Yeah. She may be getting a headache. See if she can <laughs> give. Maybe give her <laughs> five. See how it develops. Kendall's like, sure. Let's see how the headache develops. I
2: I, I love how at no point whatsoever do they all think any of this is odd us from that. It's like, no, they're, they are just so tired of the theater from point one it's like please just say a number please just say a number please just say a number but nan is willing to give him the her one act play at every stage of this game
1: yeah i there was nothing that nan did in this entire episode that seemed genuine to me
2: no not of course and the kids
1: saw kids saw through it all but nan i think is just so used to this song and dance she was going to do it
2: well, it, It's also a song and dance which plays out very successfully on her behalf. This, this I mean, I up as like well. Oh my
1: God, all these, Spencer, all these numbers coming at me. I mean, my. Just like eight?
2: Eight, eight or nine, nine? I mean, what
1: like could eight. possibly be next after nine? And what, what number they, they land on? Ten. Ah, perfect. Mm. Uh, Carl says this Oh, butter my bean pole.
2: Line of the episode? Just line of the episode Potential right there?
1: Potential line of the episode Oh, butter yep. my bean pole. Because he's talking about how the kids are the other bidders to the Pierce deal. And they Carl figures this out before Logan does. Uh, this is the scene I've referenced before where they were taught where Carl, Frank, and Jerry are all like, How in the hell could the kids possibly have picked up that what? Logan was going after no, Pierce?
2: No 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 There's a million that. ways. None. None.
1: Everybody knows they're looking for suitors. It's it's not it's just, Jerry wants to know if they can get the money. Frank says, Well, they can liquidate their five percent. Then the three of them argue about who is going to tell Logan with Jerry veteran move that she is just simply walking away from the discussion.
2: Let's make this notable as well. This is an important data point here. They don't presently have any money to contribute. Any of the money that they're aiming to contribute comes from the Gojo sale going forward. Let's remember that little detail. Do we think that's true
1: that they don't have any money to contribute to it?
2: not not anywhere resembling the 3 billion they were expecting to do so. Their money is locked up in the corporation. They've still got fuck off money in terms of millions, but they don't have billions on hand.
1: So what you're telling me is that if Logan just scraps the Gojo deal altogether, then the kids can't buy Pierce. Yep. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen.
2: And Pier- and then Pierce would be at a discount in terms of stepping in to buy it,
1: which he can probably do for 6, which is the number he wanted anyway.
2: I don't think, even think he'd offer him six under those circumstances. Pierce's stock price, if, they, if that kind of thing was then advertised and it didn't go forward, it would crater.
1: Frank says they can liquidate, yeah, for the 5%. So they're talking about that. Frank then tells Carl to beware the blood sugar just as Logan is screaming.
2: <laughs> just <laughs> fucking find out. Again, everyone, just have a Snickers on hand. Just wave it in front of him when you go up to it.
1: Craig asks him if he may have a moment. Carl then comes up and says, the rival better is the kids. Dump, dump,
2: dum. Credit to Carl, that he actually does it. Like oh, the, other, yeah. the, the other two cowards just walk away.
1: Oh, Jerry's the worst about this, right? She just got, well, this is not anything that I have anything to do with. It. Uh, I'm suddenly,
2: what's the name of the attorney again? I'm blanking on his name. Frank. Frank. Frank is Frank is just as bad. Frank. Frank is completely noncommittal to do anything about this. He's willing to perfectly let Carl throw himself under the bus. what wa- really happens.
1: Logan walks away. Call your wife, Tom. Call your fucking wife and tell them to get their own fucking idea. It's pathetic. Tell her she's never had a single fucking idea in her
2: fucking entire life. Okay, Tom, workshop it. It's a good starting point. It's something to keep track of. Maybe don't open with that on the phone. Logan
1: snaps at Greg. What?
2: What else? Uh, can wait. Can wait. Can totally wait. Don't need to go into it now. Over here. So, right yeah, in conversation. I, I, you
1: conversation. Know, why, did
2: why didn't we get this? I think it's I'm funnier so we pissed didn't. we didn't get it. I, I also think it's funnier we didn't, but I, at the moment I so wanted to see it.
1: I am very frustrated we didn't get it. I think it would have been great. And, it, it, you know, I think we, I mean, Greg explains how the conversation went. So we yeah. totally could have blocked it and
2: done it. Wait, we had, we had Greg's com- description of the conversation. We also see Logan later commenting on it and doing so with a smile on his face. So I think Greg is, ac- well, we'll get the Greg description here to say.
0: I
1: think he's accurate. Yeah, because yeah. I, Tom sits him down, um, or actually cut to the Pierces, and yeah. Naomi comes in and says, So she's feeling up a little better. She will see you. Great line here from our guy Roman. Okay, great. Yeah, we get to talk to an old lady about newspapers. Tom asked Greg how it went. Uh, he says he finds me. Dis- he says he finds me disgusting and despicable, but he kind of smiled.
0: <laughs> I think
2: Tom that's a said, perfectly accurate description of Logan's response. You talked about it before about Logan running into somebody that's new outside of his orbit, how he reacts. Greg hit the ten percent.
1: So he says. Oh, did he? Tom says, oh, did he? What did he say? I say she's a, I said she's a bit wild. She's quite eager. And, you know, maybe she had a bit of the wacky tabacky or worse that I never intended to soil these halls. And that, and then Tom cuts right through the bullshit. Oh, she's a drug addled cock monster. You're so gallant, Greg. (laughs) One
2: of the things I think that helps Greg here is I think it reminds him a little bit of Roman. I think I think the fact that it falls within some aspect of uh, Logan's concept of Roman charms him a bit about this.
1: Probably, and you know, like Logan, Logan's fucked around his entire He's life,
2: had his dalliances.
1: So I don't think he, I don't, I honestly think like, if you put Logan down and like tr- and give him truth serum, he would have absolutely no problem that Greg did this. He just wanted to fuck with him a little bit when Greg told him. And he's yeah, probably in a absolutely. bad mood about that. He's in a terrible mood because the kids were chasing the pier steel. So he was like already ready to fire off on somebody, but he probably doesn't have any real problem with this.
2: Yeah, he kind of fucks, fucks with him a little bit about it later, too.
1: Colin comes up and says she's got to leave. Colin, I'm fond of her, but each of us must do as we see fit.
2: <sighs> Thank you, Greg. Thank you for making it so philosophical.
1: Each of us must do as we see fit. Thank you, Greg. You are, uh, man, what a thinker. What a great yeah. thinker. Yeah, yeah. Gets, explains better. That gets better from here. That she posted to social media. Now he's got to go through her phone. You want to, you want to explain it to her? I Greg love says, his you know
2: frustration what? here. I love his comment. He's just so done with this shit that these incompetents he has to work around.
1: Now I got to go through her phone. Yeah. You, you want to explain that to her? Yeah. He does seem like he's just frustrated. And you know what Greg does? Very generous guy. He yep. says, you know what? I think it's best. If you go do what you have to do, I don't want to see what happens in Guantanamo. God be willing.
2: <laughs> God be willing.
0: The utter
2: coward, the, uh, this, the the complete sniffling coward. He just leaves his date. And just, just, he, he probably actually assumes Colin might torture her. He doesn't know. And he's just leaving her to it.
1: Yeah. He, he doesn't, he just doesn't want to deal with any of this anymore. Um, some could say mm-hmm. that um, maybe post interaction he's a little less interested in her for some reason.
2: I don't think they're ever going to talk again at all. I
1: think he. I think he might have. Uh, might gotten his rocks off. He might be done with her. I think he might huh? be just ready yep. to go home.
2: Two dates in. Cut to, to Nan, right. kudos, who,
1: who greets the kids. She says she has a. Oh, I just have a terrible migraine. I. I just feel so awful i do but um yeah it is why a is she th- from georgia it seems they shred hundred dollar notes for fertilizer like so <laughs> stupid joke oh scarlet but th- i think the th- that whole line was designed to age her hundred dollar yes. notes she asked him how they are faring with their father roman says it's a complicated private situation shift says whereby we all hate him mm-hmm Nan tells them they are talking to their bankers and they have a preferred better. It's probably just too late. But Spencer, did you hear the word no?
2: Nope. Did not hear the word no. Did she say no? I don't think I heard the word no.
1: No, she says, I, you know, I don't, really don't want to convenience you. Nan apologizes again. Offers some bottle of wine. Connoisseurs seem to like them, but I have peasant taste. Spencer, any, any, anything you'd like to say about
2: that from Nan? I'm not going to pronounce. I, I don't speak French, so I'm not pronounce it. But what she, she, her, her, her reference to you know, I've got peasant taste, is to then say that she that she drinks a, a exclusively French supermarket wine that she acquired a taste for when she was 19 and has never been able to shake it. Her method of indicating that she's slumming it is that she did a year abroad in France or lived her child lived her teenage years in France and became used to the local vintage there.
1: I just wanted to like maybe ask you like if you have any like if you could possibly personally relate to anything about nan's story about maybe not like having a taste for the most expensive wines or the most expensive beers
2: uh when she when you just when she when she used the word vinegar I could associate with that that's probably the only word in those three sentences i could connect with
1: nan says i like my wine thin and vinegary and naomi actress crushes this scene has said she said this a thousand (laughs) times this is that they're just reading lines off a page now Mm -hmm. like her men she she hits the she hits her mark she says the joke everybody does the polite chuckle rehearsed lines and again says i just fear it's a trip made in vain i just fear it's a trip made in vain the other office is just too good they are just too good kendall says long story short you called this right before logan wants to take your company and fuck it and when he says fuck it you can see her haunches go up the coral. Whoa, she does not like that word. He loathes you. He wants to take your properties and roll them in the dirt. And we would not do that. She says that after the election, they could all be in a very bad place. And I could, we would, I could, uh, we would maintain your values.
2: Emphasis on the I to start that sentence. I think that that was
1: a slip on her part, but it was actually smart. Because, like, from Nan's perspective, she has to have – like, she doesn't believe that Roman or Kendall are going to give a shit about maintaining their values. But Shiv, who spent 20 years or whatever working in democratic politics, might.
2: Yeah, I'm not not sure whether it's intentional or not, but it's clever marketing. Shiv is the connect. Shiv has always been the connect. Shiv has been the one that Nan's been interested in or at least been willing to talk with. And so to emphasize her own personal role in this is a good way forward.
1: Nan says – well, that's all good and well, but obviously we have a responsibility to get the best possible deal. She says, well, we can be competitive on price. Nan references Jamie's divorce and Ann's disaster in Maine. So I guess bad things are befalling the Pierce family. This is just mm-hmm. some backstory that we had not heard of. Um, she says, how's your financing? Not that I understand it all, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. It's just, it's just a, it's such a transparent act. I mean, I, 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 look, she's obviously been successful with it, but it would, it would, it would tire me being around this lady. I would be like, can we just fucking, which is basically what Kendall says. He's like, it's robust. Can we just fucking get to a number, please? My god.
2: this, This is, this is a conversation I have with other attorneys all the time before they'll start going through the whole pomp and circumstance. They'll start, you know, we're acting as if they're at, they're directly speaking to a jury rather than just on the phone to me, to which my default response always is, "Man, is your client there? If not, let's just talk." It's like I don't need the pomp and circumstance. I don't need the theater. It's just me. I know the game we're playing.
1: Yeah, but imagine this though, Spencer. Imagine not being an attorney. Yeah. So not being in that brotherhood, not uh, having the uh, immediate uh, respect that saying you're an attorney is, but still having to negotiate with a person who takes that tact.
2: Frustrating as all goddamn hell.
1: It fucking sucks because you can't cut through it. You can't say, let's just talk because they, they yeah. think you're just some idiot because you didn't do the same three years of grad school that they did. So, like, <laughs> you have to deal with this, like, fucking, and then, like, this position that is obviously going to lead to that one and that one and that one. Like, I haven't seen it a thousand times. I I would, I would, this is where I would not be good.
2: Is having to go through this little polite circle here?
1: I think I'd get rude quick. I think I, like, the cool part about Roman is that Roman is such an established rude guy that when he's rude, it's almost like nobody nobody hears it. It's
2: a background noise.
1: But when Kendall's rude, she kind of perks up a little bit. I think I would be kind of like Kendall here, where I would just be like constantly saying, can we just get to a number? How about a number? Yeah. I got an idea. Mm -hmm. Let's say a number. Nan points out that it could get a little messy because Shiv, who is now in this theoretical deal, going to be the heart and soul of the Pierce Network and their, their theological and moral stance or political stance, would still be married to the head of ATN. And Shiv says, I'm getting a divorce. So, and Kendall whoop, does a massive huh? head snap around. Had- I think this is the first time she said it out loud.
2: Had before this moment she made a decision on that fact or did this moment drive that decision? Because later she's then telling Tom, I don't think it's a future whatever else. Had she already reached that conclusion?
1: No, and I still don't really think she has. But no, I I, says it
2: because it's the thing to say right here.
1: I, I honestly think that she would be willing to divorce Tom to make the deal work, even if she wasn't previously going to. Like that's how I that's how that's why that's what I think about the moral backbone of all these people. Like I think yeah. she would just do it to get the deal done. What a world. I'm sorry to hear that. Roman says it's a sad, sad day when love dies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you, Roman.
1: <laughs> oh man, says it's, it's all very confusing. She doesn't want to talk numbers. It's not about the numbers. No. It's interesting. It's not about the numbers. I believe in my paragraph just above in my notes, she says she has a responsibility to get the best possible deal for her family and her shareholders.
2: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, but, but not about the numbers, sir. It's about the, you know, the font on the contract, you, the best possible font you can look for. Makes
1: me feel like I'm in a bidding war. Like there's maybe a bidding war going on. Like maybe people are bidding against each other for my product. Like they, it could be a, I don't know, maybe like a bidding war or something like that. I never, maybe a bidding war, but maybe like eight. What? nine
2: <laughs> maybe eight nine so confusing just so confusing she's just
1: ah uh, but it's it's yeah it's obvious what she said what? but with that, that eight nine thing was funny because in roman calls out the silliness of it she goes oh yeah, yeah what, what could possibly come after nine nan asks if they could talk without the kids so the kids have to go outside so she can talk with her family cut back to tom he says nan is thinking she wants to talk to logan it's not a money question So you're okay to hold on for a minute just before you talk to her. Logan, well, what else can I fucking say? Like Logan's basically like, why should I talk to her? Like there's nothing to talk about, which is – (laughs)
2: Because Logan's perspective is always, no, it's a money question. That's it. There's no further discussion here. It's money. That's what we're doing. So
1: if you you can – like so if you assume that the kids do independently have the money for this deal, then I think that Logan – Negotiates as poorly as we've ever seen him negotiate here.
2: Well, Logan but, is still negotiating is if he doesn't have a rival bidder.
1: Exactly. He's, but if you throw in the wrinkle that he thinks he can fuck them out of the money they need for the financing, therefore collapsing that deal anyway, then maybe he's not negotiating so poorly.
2: If, what he's negotiating is, is that this is his time to get Pierce for, a, for a steal. Cause he's got Pierce over a barrel. Pierce has to sell today and he can effectively negotiate the price. He's not anticipating, A, that his kids have the money, or B, that they would be that shit at the
1: <laughs> I think Nan would get on. You know what You Nan would do here? She'd get on the phone with him. Logan, I swear to God, I I, I just feel like there's a bidding war going on. Just a mm-hmm. bidding, a bidding war. war. And I just keep hearing these numbers, 11, 12, 13. I don't know where they're coming from.
2: Mm-hmm. To which well. Logan responds, fuck off and hangs up. The phone. <laughs> fuck off.
1: Six. Logan turns around and says, Nobody tells jokes anymore, do they? This is a wonderful scene.
2: Th- this is a fascinating scene. I feel like this is not one of the scenes that just shows how much he's missing his kids. Because his kids were always the one that were adding levity. Roman. They were always the one that were t- willing to talk and joke and undermine him and talk back to him or do something to actually engage Roman. with him. Mrs. Roman. Shiv and Kendall would do the same thing, too, in their own, own, own ways as well. This is This conversation feels just further evidence of how lonely he feels that he's just trying to even replicate the feeling of them being around what does he get out of the audience
1: well he wants a roasting he does frank crushes this joke
2: oh yeah top
1: 10 joke here from frank the thing about logan roy is uh, (laughs) he's a tough old (laughs) nut
2: knee slapper right uh, uh, there oh uh, classic material uh, 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 uh.
1: Uh, what does he say to him? He says... Oh, Christ. Uh,
2: Sid fucking Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. But Greg, Greg, of course,
2: steps up. As in all matters, Greg steps up. Greg says... Greg starts up. It's like everybody else is just trying to avoid eye contact. He goes to Greg. Greg immediately starts trying you mean, to go for
1: it. You mean. You're a mean old man. You mean old bastard. You scared life out of people. You're scaring me right now. That's why I don't know what to do. <laughs>
2: To, to, it, it's a start it's a legitimate start to which roman to which uh, logan responds to by starting to fire back at greg
1: yeah fire back who wants to smell greg's finger guess the scent win a buck
2: it, it's setting the tone it's set like no greg you're at a two right now i need you up at like a six to which greg upon hearing that goes to a fucking 11 instantly <laughs>
1: Where's your kids? Where's your kids, Uncle Logan?
2: <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, Greg. I <laughs> work birth up birthday. to that. <laughs> On
1: oh, your big birthday. Logan, not understanding how a roast works, thinks it's a tête-à-tête. He thinks yeah. it's a back and forth. He's having but,
2: fun, though. He's smiling throughout all this.
1: Where's your old man, huh? Where's your old man still stuck in cock at the county fair? And and, and the actor who plays Greg
2: is is corpsing. He's trying to keep the laughter in it. <laughs>
1: Just holding it together. But he also looks like a guy who's like just been punched a few times and is over in the corner. Just like waving his head around. Um Then he goes to Jerry. Jerry been sent anything funny lately? So you get the sense that maybe at some point Jerry had come to him and said, "Hey, somebody sent me a funny." Like what, maybe back when email forwards were a thing, like maybe this is what he's referencing. What, you know what that was? All a bit horrible no, for me. No, no, like no.
2: He's, he's specifically referencing Roman sending the picture of his cock, meaning for it to go oh, to Jerry think instead so, of going Roman? to Logan. That, I think that's specifically what he's referencing. Yes.
0: Ah. Because he knows that, 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 that was meant for dirty. Jerry.
2: That I think means- that's real damn dirty. I think Jerry picks up on it. It's like I'm not. No. I'm out. I'm not engaging
1: been sent anything funny lately you know i didn't make that connection uh, that's really good i actually thought it was like a like one of those things that like people have been friends for a 30 meme. years like yeah. are referencing something from 15 years ago um that I, that i think your yours makes more sense he might because he's being really specific in his insults here to everyone um yes. all a bit horrible for me thanks logan logan i'm not being horrible i'm being fun
2: fucking monsters <laughs> It's notable. It's notable when Greg actually roasts some bit. Logan seems to actually be enjoying it. He seems to actually respond well to that. Greg, I think, took the right tack, whereas everybody else in the room was not reading the right what Logan actually wanted.
1: Oh, don't you don't you just wish Roman was here? Because if he just said that this to Roman, hey Roman, uh, roast me.
2: I'm in, Dad.
1: I, I mean. Gonna bet dollars to donuts that he would reference Carrie, Carrie doing something sexual to him. Yes. Right. right there. Yes, I mean, it would it would have gotten weird. To, to, to it's
2: Logan might have laughed out loud, even though <laughs> Carrie's right there.
1: <laughs> so Tom then steps in and ends the roast. That thus ends the lo- roast of Logan Roy.
2: <sighs> too early, too early.
1: So she would like to get this figured out. In theory, tonight, the uncertainty is not good, and we and she would like us to get our best foot forward on an indicative price, so no need to play nice. Should I tell her to fuck off? Mm Mm-hmm. Logan is thinking. Thinking. And then she says, is she talking to them? Tom says, I think so. Logan says, I need input from Carrie. That part is interesting. That was
2: interesting. That was real interesting. No one else in the room specifically Carrie right here, right now.
1: Shiv gets approval for eight. Roman says they shouldn't be hard asses. They should show. They see the upside. But... She should help them prove it out. And Kendall's like, "Whoa, whoa! You got interested all of a sudden." Shiv asked if she should tell, and and they should. And
2: they, they, they agree she should. They want this too much. I mean, I agree. Wait a well, second. Just... You don't think they're going to win? I, I think they're. I think they're. what who, who do I not think is going to win? I know why the episode fucking is. Uh I, I figured they were going to win with respect to this, but it's one of the things of where. It, their dad literally calls them midway through this and basically says, "What the fuck are you doing? This is the time to get this on a discount. Why are you paying so much?"
1: I don't think there's any chance this deal goes through for them. I don't oh, think there's, a, there's a sure. zero. When I say that, do you, I, I, I was laughing you, you when I asked you asked. You may win long term. Yeah, like or, or just no. win. I mean, because like getting an agreement on the deal really isn't winning; it's getting the deal through, my, and they're not going to get this deal through.
2: My assumption. For where this series is going to end up, and I'll say this in episode one, is I suspect all the kids will be broke, that Logan will be rich but completely powerless, having lost control of his own company, and that Greg will actually be the winner of the succession in the heir apparent. That's, that, those are my bets. I don't think the
1: kids are going to end up broke. I just think they have too many assets and too many things. In their name, like for, they they would just won't be. You, you, I, people I get be, this rich when you have 15 houses, you can't really be broke.
2: They will be broke by their own terms.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that Greg will win the succession. Though uh, I think that Logan will die, and he will we, they will get a dramatic will reading, and Greg will have inherited the the Earth. Mm-hmm. Logan asked Carrie if seven. Is insulting. Carrie says, yeah, it is insulting, but it's not like you're wasting relationship capital. She already hates you. So you can be insulting. It doesn't matter. It's not actually bad advice. So start at six. But like you're kidding around slogans. Start at six. But like you're kidding around six. Find something we've lost conviction on just to let her know that we're not Terry fucking turnip truck over here. He's so playing hardball. Yeah. To come in and say, well, it's six because, you know, it's this piece of your company I'm not happy with.
2: He's still negotiating into the, under under the world of there not being an immediate competitive bidder that is willing to overpay to win.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. It's almost like the expectation is that when Logan finds out that the kids are bidding against him, he would get upset. But in reality, he was probably happy it was them because they're the only people that he could ensure doesn't have the money to actually get the deal through. Mm -hmm. Like anyone else, it's a real, when he found out it was the kids bidding against him, then he could default back to, okay, I don't have a real person
2: bidding against me. I think he's still pissed at the ultimate outcome of this, but it's Logan. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's still going to have plays and notes. Oh,
1: it's inconvenienced him, sure. But he's happier that the kids are bidding against him than anybody else. Sure, sure. Shiv comes in and says they are very relaxed about the $8 billion landing spot. Nan says it's disgusting, but we need a minute. Tom gets off the phone and says, yeah, they, they, they didn't love it. They didn't like <laughs> oh, fair, what, what I said here. Fair. Uh, Logan says he doesn't want to lose it. Tom asks if they can jump up. As. Increase the number. Logan asks Tom, call his wife. Call your wife, Tom. Naomi comes out and asks if they can have a little bit more upside. Basically, increase the number. Kendall asks Telly if they can go to 8.5. He hems and haws, but finally he gets there. Roman says, are you fucking jerking it to the, your yacht catalog there,
2: T? It's commissioned on this is getting bigger by the second.
1: Tell says it's exciting. Kendall makes fun of the great insight. Roman jokes that he's going to bill them 200 for that insight. Roman notices the phone ringing. Shiv answers the phone for Tom. He wants a discussion. So Shiv puts him on speakerphone. They all yell, fuck you, Tom in their different voices and different phrasing. But basically everybody tells him fuck himself. We just wonder if we're not being played a little since this is all shiv asks if he went to nine. Tom says all things being equal. The asset does have a price, and it would be crazy to pay an emotional premium here. So right. we should be looking for a backdoor on this. I mean, he's not wrong.
2: I mean, Is the effect – this almost seems like Logan's trying to set up, how much do I have to pay you to go away so we don't overpay on this?
1: Yep. Shiv says, I think the ad is going to go to 9. 9.5, so we just have to be at 9.5. Kindle ask if they could – just go to 10 and this is this is Roman does what I would do here which is like why we just decide like he's listening to this and they both agreed that you have to get the nine five to get the deal and Kendall just casually says well then let's just go to 10 and it's like wait a second
2: what if Kendall's goal is to get the deal across the finish line he does that this is an offer which will bury further yeah but like it lets Nan say fuck you to Logan this is want to deal with and be comfortable with bidding whatever else But it's just throwing so much extra money at there. But it's not.
1: But this is Logan's point at the end of the episode. It's not intelligent. It's not clever. All you did is say a bigger number. Yeah, Yeah. you just said a bigger number. Congratulations. So Roman does make a good point about the fact that a million is a thousand thousand. You know that. So five hundred times a thousand thousand dollars of actual money. Guess what you can do with actual money, Spencer? Two guesses uh snowmobiles and sushi i believe you got an a plus on this one ding 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 those are two things that you can in fact buy with money snow Qu- and sushi quite a bit uh snowmobiles and sushi there the head guy says it's getting toppy um and uh so their 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 the money guy says it's getting toppy but he finally says the asset is worth what the top biller would pay i guess Roman coming back with an extremely Roman line. I'm going to say this is potential line of the episode because it's my favorite Roman line. I only wish I went to Harvard business school like UT. It is intimidating talking to an intellectual giant like yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Shindle, Shiv and Kendall uh, agree on 10. Roman says, okay, 10, fuck you, 10, 10, fuck you, fuck you over and over again. Roman, Shiv walks in.
2: What's Roman's level of discomfort about this? Cause he, Shib, Kendall and Shiv are just sure. Yeah. It gets us the deal and that's all that matters. Gets us the deal. Gets us the deal right now. No for, no for the debate, no for the discussion. Roman seems legitimately caught off guard, I and mean, this is what they're just throwing well, cause they around.
1: Well, because they only—if right the Gojo deal goes through, they together only have three billion dollars. It's
2: like they're already negotiating a world where they're not even necessarily going. They—they they will certainly not be majority owners. They, but what what degree are we now reaching a stage of where they may not even be like the plurality owners compared to some of their investors that are also participating on this?
1: Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Schiff walks in and says, "Sunnyan, look, we love the company and the heritage." We'd like to make an offer that ex- that ends the conversation and closes this out," she says. "They want to take it to the next stage of its evolution. So much just shiv, blah 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 blah. Ten billion dollars. Dan says that gives them something to think about. Tom is looking at his phone, comes back, tells Logan. So they're not accepting another bid. They received a bid that's a conversation ender. Logan says, "Tell him I'll go up." Tom says, "She says they're content." Push it. Tom guesses it's 9.5. Fucking geniuses. 10? Tom says, yeah, it has a 10 feeling. Roman says, I'm going back to L.A., to my bedroom, to pull myself off quite aggressively hard. Thank you very much.
2: It was one of those things where I don't think Roman's actually going to do that, but he almost just feels that everyone assumes that that's what he's going to say and do, that he says it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like you. Like like how you'll say, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go be by myself and be in a bad mood. Even though you, you might that day in a good mood but you know the character
2: yeah you know, the last time of what i did with that i went outside in the sun and i ate ice cream while i walked my dog but i assure you i was in a S- smelled mood. some daisies
1: yeah but you know that you know the character like yeah, oh yeah I'm gonna, this is my mood.
2: role i gotta represent it it feel it, my right that that kind of feels like what roman's doing for some of these lines yes yeah, i don't it, think it roman is. they everyone assumes that he's a sick little what was it jerry called him uh suck puppy or something like that or something like that or
1: scum yeah. puck? Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, I, well, but, as soon as we say that about Roman, he wait, sends next his send, he sends his penis to Jerry, right? Like, so it's like he has done enough to warrant the reputation. But I agree, I'm 100%. not quite sure he's going to do that here. I think he actually just wants to get away from Kendall and Shiv here. Mm. Little little time away from the the sibling. Shiv is getting a call. Tom goes on speakerphone. I have your dad, and he has a message: Congratulations! And saying the biggest number, you fucking morons! And Logan walks off.
2: It's in, it's interesting, too, that as much as Logan wants this, once he hears that they've gone to 10, he does not appear to attempt to make another offer. No. Because if he went back with 10 or 11 or whatever else, if he threw more money at none, she'd probably at least reopen discos- negotiations and do it. But once it gets to such a figure that he deems that ridiculous, he's like, no, done. Changing strategy. Well,
1: yeah, because I think he's got multiple angles at this, right? Like, one is he can just outbid them. Two, he can backdoor to offer them something so that they'd stop bidding and then i think there's the third which you've been talking about regularly through here we should reference which is to undercut the gojo deal to make sure they don't have to cash for the deal to begin with so like there's ways he can do he has a lot of different angles here as always
2: that several of which could fuck him over too It would be curious but it's notable here that he's not he's also not even bidding with his own money he's not he's buying this himself he's using I mean, he's, 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 he's using atn funds right plus other financial backers or whatever else he's not he does not have the same level of individual risk here that the uh, kids do.
1: For sure. And I don't think that he has to kill the Gojo deal forever to stop this. Sure. I think he just has to delay the Gojo deal long enough that they can't give the money to the backers to get the Pierce deal through. The Pierce deal falls through, and then he can revive the Gojo deal. Like, I think there's, there's a timeline here that works for him.
2: Perhaps.
1: Cut to the night. Shiv gets out of the car. She greets her dog who does not recognize her. That Monday. is a dog that does not know her. This is very much how Spencer interacts with his dog every single day. That dog does not know her.
2: We are very affectionate roommates. We understand our roles.
1: Spencer's dog does not know Spencer. She gets her clothes.
2: You <laughs> hurt me, sir. You hurt me.
1: Tom comes out. He says, I thought you were telling She says she needed clothes. I thought you took your favorite. She's like, she's just ready to fight. She's like, I, I want more clothes than just my favorites, you fucking asshole. Like, I mean, she's just like, you. I, I don't know if you've ever, like, been in this type of fighting before, but like I have, I have Happily before, not, way before brother. my wife, I have dated women who like get to this point. Mm-hmm. It is not fun. Cause it's like, what do you want for dinner? It's like, why are you Wild fucking wire. asking me? You always make me pick like
0: mm-hmm.
1: anything. Like that's where they're at right now. Right? Sure. Um, she then says, I hear you and Greg are calling yourself the disgusting brothers. Not pretty cool. You're really cool. Do you have a logo? Huh? Huh? Mm-hmm. Huh? Do you have rules? Is Greg your wingman? Huh, Tom? And he, he, Tom, I think really effectively undercuts this. He goes, sometimes we grab a, grab a drink shift. Like he just, his tone and the way he says this, it really makes her look petty. Yeah,
2: I, it is. A, I love his tone. He does with this. It's so, it's not dismissive. It's almost just result, It's almost just tired. It's almost just, you really want to know what's actually going on with respect that. Let's talk about it. He does that a couple times, quite effectively in this conversation.
1: Tom says – she says, well, it's – this is Shiv to Tom. Well, it's pretty cool. I hear you date models now. Tom says, we agreed we could have a look around while we had a think. Shiv says, he looks good, ripped. I think she's just making fun of him now. Do you bring them back here? Do you do the positions? Do you do all the positions with your models now, Tom? Do you take turns with Greg now? Do they sit on your face to shut you up, Tom?
2: I love the next line from Tom here because it's another one of those – okay, honey, let's talk for a second. Go on, please. You deliver it so well.
1: Yeah, he, he just says, look, do you really want to get into a full accounting of the pain of our marriage? Because if you do, I can do that. That asks, "How to
2: stop sh- Shiv. Shiv is going down that path and getting an increasing momentum the way Shiv does. Tom says that goes right off in a different direction.
1: Yeah, because we, I mean, we already know. Like, well, remember that time that you – I think last season. On our wedding she, night? <laughs> on our wedding night, the time she hooked up with that guy when she was traveling, the time that she was asking Tom to do threesomes. Like, I mean, this is just like on and on. So and the stuff ta- that was time
2: weird. last season that she said, I don't love you and I feel like I'm better than you and whatever else.
1: Like, he's got some ammunition if he wants to go that route. She knows that too. She asked about Mondale, which is their dog. He says, Yeah, he doesn't recognize your sit anymore. <laughs> <clears throat>
2: Just, Tom's got knives, too, and he's willing to dig them every now and
1: then. Hey, look, what? give me a full accounting of the pets in your home.
2: Uh, there are two. There is a dog. The name is Poppy, a 12-year-old Havanese, and there's also a rabbit, Ace, who's also about 12 years old.
1: Now, you already, do you already know what would happen if you and your girlfriend split, who gets the dog, who gets the rabbit? Like, do we you do. already know what's happening? We do, yes. We've discussed what, it, just to be safe. What's happening?
2: I'm getting the rabbit. She's getting the dog. All
1: right. Awesome. Yeah, I, we, my wife and I have the same thing. Um, She gets the dog. I get the black cat. We fight to the death over the white cat. That's, that's <laughs> what we decided.
2: I would have bet money on that, that neither of you were to compromise on the subject of that delightful kitty.
1: No, we, yeah, we fight. But I'm definitely getting the black cat, though. But,
2: yeah, I mean, most everybody has
1: this, right? And it seems like yes. Mondale. You,
2: if you haven't, you should.
1: Mondale was always. My, yeah, and you should do it with your kids, too. Just make sure you understand. Absolutely. Which, which kid uh, see, <laughs> who, secret, who gets which kid
2: <laughs> just don't even tell the kids just during the day whoever attaches a card to the kid's back first that, that's your kid that's how I mean,
1: it works if you have more than one kid i mean obviously spencer and i are in a great position to tell you people who have kids how to how to raise your kid um, uh, make sure make sure make sure you pick and make sure the kids know who gets who that, absolutely, that's yeah. really healthy for them to know that too. to
2: their faces yeah. they are going to bed at so, night,
1: and, and and don't tell the one you're picking. Tell the one you're not picking. Go to the one you're not picking and say, "Daddy picked you. I didn't pick you." And then then Dad can go to the same.
2: G- good night. I'm more <laughs> <laughs> so, a will. Like make sure you specify in your will who's going to take care of your kids or who's going to get your pets. But sure, yeah. What Lee talked oh, about. I'll tell too. you
1: one thing. I do is every time I I fly, I always tell a friend who where I've boarded my pets. Good, so I designated survivor. really smart, really Spencer, smart to do that. You are undoubtedly one of my closest friends. Thank you. Have you ever received a text from me telling you where? God no,
2: going? God no, <laughs> never even once. No? Didn't even know you did it until a no. second ago. You want to know why? Please, it would annoy you. <laughs> <laughs> you would be Mo- like another motherfucker. No obliged to have more pets in my house.
1: Another thing I've got to do. No way. So Tom says, "Do you want to have a talk?" There's some things I wouldn't mind saying and explaining. Um, Shiv says I don't want to rake up a whole bunch of bullshit. Yeah. For no profit, she tells him to stop. It's not good for her to hear all this. She's basically saying, "Look, it's over. It might be time for you and I to move on." Tom she, says, "Uh huh." That makes me sad.
2: She she is so disengaged in the relationship. She doesn't even want to discuss. She doesn't even want to have a closing discussion. She doesn't even want to have that kind of. Pardon the, pardon the comparison, but exit interview. Just discuss where things went wrong and what they do now.
1: Exit interview.
2: <laughs> I'm framing it that way. You That's probably a, the way she's oh, looking at it. you a corporate man. You've working I, for a I'm long here, time. I, I'm here for it. But it, it, it is fascinating to see how much she is not willing to even be emotionally vulnerable enough to have a final conversation with her spouse.
1: He said, she says, we can talk things to death. but We both just made some mistakes, but a whole lot of crying and bullshit is not going to help that. If you're good, we can walk away with our heads held high and say, good luck. You know, Tom says, OK, Tom, sees pretty sad. Shiv, shits, Shiv sits down. Tom says, I could see if I could make love to you. And Shiv looks at him. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, what?
2: I they thought it was a help.
1: strange line, but people do this. My my thought was – I mean obviously people have sex, but people in the middle of breakups sometimes will do this.
2: And it fundamentally could be that. What I saw it as in the moment was he just tried to connect with her emotionally. He just had to try to have one final opportunity just to talk with her, even if they're going to break up, but just have that level of emotional connection. She rejected it and this is the only thing he knows to actually connect with her. This is the only thing that he can – think there's any reliable chance she'll actually be willing to have some degree of connection with me even if it's physical and still she says no
1: no i agree that that's what he's doing but i mean this this,
2: it happens a lot in relationships anyway
1: yeah during during breakups people sometimes will break up over a period of time over a period of days and they'll have sex during that period i mean that's not not necessarily on the face of it that strange tom says should i go or you're gonna go shiv now is crying she's outright crying and she says i'm hiding it I'm tired, so, but you can stay there if you like. So he leans back, she leans back, and they're just both laying there. He says, so this is it, huh? She just says, yeah, I guess so. We gave it a go, and they hold hands. Cut to Logan, who's watching ATN at night. He calls Peach Sid, says, Sid, I just watched the top of the hour. It's bullshit. People watch at night. I watch at night. Who's this fucking lunk anyway? It was like a ball sack with a toupee. Are you losing it, Sid? Are you fucking losing it? And, and I think the, so A, I think what we understand here, is that what ATN is, which is, it's a sub in for Fox news. Yeah. It's an anger, anger machine, right? Like what Fox news? I mean, like, if if you don't agree with this and you like Fox news, like, I'm sorry, maybe this might not even be your podcast. <laughs> you, this <laughs> well, might not be your success.
2: Our audience, man, come on. What's your point?
1: <laughs> my, my point is, is that fucking Fox news is an anger machine. Like that's what it is. And if it, I, if I, it, it makes people angry to, to hear that who are listening, then they're probably going to be offended by more than, than just that. Like, So I'm, I'm warning them. It might not be their podcast. But like, it seems like what they're illustrating is like the creator of the whole thing is even doing the same thing. He sits and watches it at night with a fucking glass and, next an, to him and gets angry, angry gets get an angry, angry watch, well, too, right? which is exactly what the whole thing was meant to be.
2: But he's not getting angry at the, what the news is telling him. He's getting angry at its presentation. He's getting angry Don't at his him. product.
1: Don't alienate our audience. Are you mad? I'm alienating our Fox News audience.
2: Yeah, again. I, yeah, yeah they sure. can go.
1: How about this? I'm making the executive decision. They can fucking go. There you go, Spencer. Eighty yeah, percent of our I, watching I, audience I, disappears. So that's what I took from that. But But I also think there's a a little bit of giving the impression that he he doesn't plan to let go of ATN. He's still very invested in ATN. I I
2: I think it's a fascinating exit scene because I agree. It's very much he's still invested in his product. He's still micromanaging it. It's how much he cares about his product and getting it right, whatever else. It's also steeped in him being alone in a dark room watching late night news and calling to complain about it. He's, see, he's falling within the just you know established trope of the lonely old man. He's calling, calling to complain about the news he's watching at ten o'clock at night.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's he's he is he's, he's is you know what this is this is this is Vince McMahon sitting there going, well, you know I. Roman Reigns can't go over Sami Zayn that's crazy he's a much better Fighter like starting to be a mark and Buying into it like that's what it kind of feels like He's he's become a mark for his own product
2: uh, did, did you did you note By the way what was the family f- Friendly event that the news was describing
1: <laughs> No I, I, that, I wouldn't listen to it.
2: That two men sustained life-threatening injuries and a brawl gone too far at this three-day family-friendly event. And then among the last lines of the episode is, the Fayetteville gun show continues. We'll be right back after this.
1: Oh, lovely. Yeah, shut up. Well, I guess it could have been Fayetteville, Arkansas, but it kind of sounds like North Carolina. Who knows?
2: Uh, the assumption with Fayetteville is North Carolina.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Fayetteville, Arkansas is pretty big, too. But anyway, that's it. Recap. End of the episode. I think we can go to best line of the episode. Are you ready for best line of the episode?
2: Welcome back to Succession, sir. We got some options.
1: This is an extremely long episode of dialogue. It it wasn't like that many minutes. I mean, I think it was just a full hour, but my God, it was a lot of dialogue.
2: Shockful. Uh, I'm I'm Uh, happy to start.
1: Yeah, fire away.
2: Uh, The hundred is Substack meets Masterclass meets The Economist meets The New Yorker. Thank you, Kendall. Wonderfully put. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Yeah. uh, you want to keep going down the list? Or you want to do round Robin?
1: Uh, I'll jump in when I can. Uh, okay. Monsters. Meet the fucking monsters.
2: Uh, Roman. Uh-huh. Well, you look tired. Your face is giving me a headache.
1: Carrie. Uh, who is she? Who is she, Greg? What is her name? What is her full name? Is it random fuck? Is it Bridget random fuck? <laughs> is she from Love the Milan. apps, Greg?
2: Uh, <laughs> another line of in conversation. Oh, Marsha's not here. She's in Milan shopping forever. Ooh. Which I, if never doesn't come back in this final season, I will be unhappy. Just throwing that out there.
1: She'll be back at the funeral.
0: Ooh,
2: ooh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Don't no for me. You don't discuss something, Tom, that's already fucking happening. You don't say, like, hey, Shiv, do you mind uh, Naomi and I are at Perrier and I'm inside her? Would you mind if I ejaculate?
0: Ooh. Ooh. Uh,
1: How
2: about heard? this one?
1: Um... Mm- uh, set them up for torture. I mean, he's a sociopath, but he wouldn't be a good torture, not because he doesn't have the stomach, but because he doesn't have the patience.
2: <laughs> One building off that, you, we already, already said about loud, but the two lines they use to just cast utter disdain on their potential um, Mid- Middle Eastern backers are just great, about the Petrodollars and the burning pe- burning journalists with cigarettes. Oh, and- so good. Great stuff.
1: Telly, it, jelly
2: belly. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, the entire speech from Tom on the subject of Bridget. So I hear you've made an enormous faux pas and everyone's laughing up their sleeves about your date. Because she brought a ludicrously capacious bag. What's more? E- uh, what's, what's even in there, huh? Flat shoes for the subway? Her lunch pail? I mean, Greg, it's monstrous. It's gargantuan. You could take it camping. You could slide it across the floor after a bank job.
1: Flat shoes for the subway is like the most fucking elitist shit. That's unbelievable. Like, like, okay, oh God, yes. that she would, A, that she would wear flats. B, that she rides the subway. Ugh. I'll I'll play right on that. Well, she's used all the display towels in the bathroom Another sopping wet. She's g- gabbling about herself, posting on social media. She's asking personal questions. She's woofing all the canapes like a famished warthog. <laughs>
2: Uh, it's a long exchange, but the back and forth between Roman, Kendall, and Shiv on the subject of making the deal on Pierce, which, you know, it was Roman calling them out on their bullshit, but don't believe you. Seriously, don't believe you. It's a wonderful exchange. But ending with Kendall just admitting that, you know, if we could screw over Dad from his decades-long obsession, wouldn't it be great? It's a great back and forth as they're trying to unpack where each one is at.
1: Um, The whole thing with uh, Logan when he's sitting there with Colin. Uh, pretty much everything in that scene
2: wonderful discussion wonderful scene straight there with you um just in terms of how delightfully quickly cutting it is uh my sister was saying that we would hear you better oh. if you took dad's cock out of your mouth and then ending it with oh. okay you can pop it back in your mouth now we're gonna on the plane. thanks bye dick <laughs> <laughs> that he is
1: he, he is just... a dick yes he is
2: yeah uh you mentioned it before, but Greg, she's a firecracker, man. She's crunchy peanut butter. That's gonna stick like peanut butter on me for a while.
1: She's crunchy peanut butter. You're gonna, uh, you're gonna hear that one soon.
2: Uh, no, I'm Greg. Where are your kids? Where are your kids, Uncle Logan? On your big birthday? God damn, Greg. Um, Logan, congratulations on saying the biggest number. You fucking morons.
1: Oh, that's such a good one. Uh, that's potentially the Lana episode there. That's a, that's a real strong one
2: Two do last great ones from Tom. Uh, do you really want to get into a full accounting of all the pain in her marriage? Because if you do, I can do that. And then they're back and forth at the end. So this is it, huh? Yeah, I guess we gave it a go. Yeah, we gave it a go. It's it's a, for characters that I find both find despicable, it's a very effectively sad scene to watch their relationship break up, even though it's unhappy as it has been.
0: All
1: right. Well, since I am God Emperor of the Segment, I do get to select this one. I do feel like it's a bit of a heavy as the head that wears the crown for succession. Picking best line of the episode is not an easy thing to do for this this show. But I will say honorable mention this week goes to the the interaction with Tom and Shiv where he says, you know, uh, we we gave it a go. We gave it a go. And they sit there holding hands. But the best line of the episode, because I am God Emperor of the Segment, and this is the one that entertained me the most, made me think the most, is the most interesting to me, is... What are people? They are economic units. I'm a 100 feet tall. These people are pygmies. But together, we form the market. What is a person? It has value. It has aims. But it has values in a market. Marriage market, job market, money market, market for ideas. Everything I try to do, people turn against me. Nothing tastes like it used to, does it? Nothing is the same as it was. You think there is anything after this? Afterwards. Because not burying the lead. I've casually referenced it multiple times during this episode. I believe Logan will die at some point during the season and having him questioning the afterlife and what was it all for is absolutely apropos.
2: Yeah. I don't know whether he's going to die midway through the season, or I don't know if it's going to be like a Godfather part three and he dies at the damn bitter end, you know, alone and exiled from all everybody else. But I'm with you. Logan's going to die. Uh, Coming off that. Who's our winner and who's our lo- loser of the Roys this this episode, sir?
1: Roys of the episode. Uh, so we usually pick one Roy who's a winner, one Roy who's a loser. We have usually extended the Roy definition of what is a Roy out to S- include Greg, Tom, some others. Yes. Um, What do you think? You got any nominees for best Roy of the episode?
2: Uh, Roy of the episode for me, I think it's Greg. I think Greg, as much as shit he goes through, I think he comes out a net ahead more so than anybody else. Because I think Logan took it on the teeth that he didn't get the Pierce deal right now and is resenting that and is feeling alone and everything else. I think the three children, I think the three kids are assuming they're better off than they are, but this is ultimately going to screw them over massively at some point in the future and they massively overpaid for this product anyway for the sake of spite. Can't be Connor. Can't ever be Connor. I don't think it's Tom either. So given these choices, I think Greg is the most ahead of, of all the Roys this episode.
1: I, we, I'm we, going to give it to Carrie because she's Logan's daughter. We're,
2: we're, <laughs> <laughs> you are <laughs> in on this.
1: No, Assuming, I, uh, assuming
2: Carrie isn't his daughter.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Let's take Carrie out of it. I don't think Greg is the answer because Greg either filmed a sex tape for Logan that Logan now has, or was talked into admitting a sexual encounter he had in Logan's it, apartment by Tom.
2: And I think it worked out in his favor with Logan.
1: Well, it always does. Greg's Greg always stumbles forward, but I, I don't I think you can pick him as the winner of the episode because of that. I think I'm going to give it to Kendall. Kendall. Because. Interesting. Because Kendall, his, again, I don't think that this deal mattered. I, I, I don't think there's any chance these people will actually go broke. I don't think if the deal met happens, doesn't happen, how it happens, it's all pretty much insignificant. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, moving around titles and the people doing the work, the product is going to stay relatively the same on the ground. This is just some shit that ultimately doesn't matter. But the way that Kendall comports himself as the winner of the episode, because he is... You could even argue supportive at times with Shiv worrying if she's upset about the Tom conversation, him dealing with uh, the fact that Shiv says that she's getting a divorce and how he very clearly cares Mm -hmm. in that moment, how he's not trying to direct traffic during all of the negotiations. He kind of leaves it up to his his siblings to talk it out and come up with their own ideas and their own paths forward. I think it's a new Kindle. I think Kindle – Kendall does pretty well. When he starts out the episode with the roomy roomy, we're going to start a business. I thought, oh God, we're, we're in trouble here. He's going to be, mm-hmm. he's going to be doing coke in a bathroom somewhere, but he actually comports himself pretty well. So I give it to Kendall.
2: Okay. Fair enough. Loser.
1: Uh,
2: I have different reasons to say either of these people. Uh, I'm either going for Connor or I'm going for Shiv. Okay. Connor, because we've never seen him more pathetic. And I, that is impressive from my perspective, but. Him throwing a hundred million at the problem of keeping it one percent, and look, sounding more on him than he ever has before, it ain't great for Connor, and it ain't looking great in the future. Shiv, like we've talked about, she's losing a relationship. She's doing so under terms that where she's not even giving her a chance to n- read her own emotions on the subject of it, and she's committing to a deal that she either is going to eventually back out of, what we've seen of her previously. Or is going to cost them is going to, is going to cost them money. So she's losing her relationship, and she's potentially losing her next investment. At least I think there's a serious risk of it. So I think though Roman and Kendall are in the same boat as her. I think she's I think she's at the risk of losing more from all this.
1: I agree with both your picks. I think a casual viewer could have picked Logan, but I think when you dig into it, I think Logan's still in a fine position. He's not
2: great. He's not great, but none of them are.
1: Yeah, I I don't think he's in in as bad of a position as it would seem if you don't dig into the specifics. I think that Connor is pretty fucking pathetic. And yeah, Shiv, Shiv really takes a lot of L's this episode. And, and
2: but it's, yes,
1: they're, they're buying this thing for too much money out of Spike that they're doing at the spur of the moment. That's, it's all bad. But really the, the, the problem here is that she's, her marriage is busting up, and it does seem to affect her more than she's willing to admit.
2: And why don't? We, um, what's your perspective on Tom here? Because neither of us mentioned him for positive or negative. I feel like for, for best or worst, I feel like he is suffering quite a bit in this episode. And he makes one of the most serious mistakes, but it seems like he's processes it processing it better. Maybe is that is, it, is that an accurate thing to say?
1: It's hard because we, you know, I feel like the scenes with Tom, Logan is the perspective of the scene and we're just getting Tom sort of all around. Whereas the scenes with Shiv, Shiv is sort of the the main person. I don't know. I feel like I was getting more about how Shiv was feeling and thinking than Tom in the episodes. It's hard to tell how he's really reacting to it. But yes, in the end, the brief interaction that he had with Shiv at the end of the episode, he does seem like he is a little bit more emotionally stable maybe than her. Um, but it's hard to tell I mean he's, out, he's being the disgusting boys Out with fucking you know Greg so he might really be collapsing We might just not be seeing it
2: It's hard to say for a lot of us as well it Also, It's also going to depend a lot on whether Logan ultimately Screws him over because Tom could not get the reassurances That he wanted and to what degree What we don't not knowing What Logan's plans are forward now that things Have changed it's not clear to what Protection Tom will have Either okay. Time will tell for all
1: well, there you go. That's our roy's of the episode. I think now we turn to America's favorite segment, Spencer's relationship advice of the episode.
2: Uh, my relationship advice of the episode is grounded in that last scene between Tom and Shiv. I mean,
1: oh, I, you you can't say you have to tell you have to pick a kid that you would you would take in, a, in the effort of a, in the event of a divorce, and you have to tell the kid that you don't pick. That can't be the relationship. No, no, I'm not we've already saying, established that I'm not as good saying
2: advice. If you have te- to pick a kid and tell a kid to pick. You have to pick a dog and tell the dog which one you're picking. You have to pick a cat and tell the cat which one you're picking. Cle- yeah. Clear dick. No, but with respect to that scene, everybody likes to say in this day not about it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. When it comes to relationships, though, when they're ending, how the end is done matters. It matters a lot. The last perspective on the relationship, the last moments you share, the last conversations you have can be with you for years and govern how much and how things go forward from there on out. Not only between the two of you, but how you perceive everything that went before and how you then move on with your life with respect to it. Having an exit, having an ending is important. How you go about it is important. The actions you take with respect to it matter. Matter. And just simply trying to avoid it because it's painful is going to cost you in the years to come, both in terms of what you're able to do going forward, but also just how you perceive whatever that period of your life was. Endings matter. How you go about them is important. And taking the time to decide what you want that to be is as much as an important part of a relationship as the decision making you, you made and getting into it. So this is part of the reason I rated Shiv quite low in this episode, because I think this matters a lot. And the fact that she's dodging it, has no positive effect on her.
1: Could I Could I disagree with you like the most I've ever disagreed with you Please. on a segment? i love to hear it. <laughs> I, do, I think when it's over, it's fucking over. And the people who are like clamoring for closure, you'll never get closure. That, that doesn't exist. It's a fiction. It's a fucking shadow on a wall. This idea of closure in a relationship. Here's the best thing you can do when you're busting up. If you're really, truly busting up, Cut the cord, delete the number, don't ever speak again. That's the best way to get closure because you actually can move on in that environment. But this thing of like hanging on and saying, "Oh, well, let's meet for coffee every two weeks so I can fucking I'm see not how you're doing." Saying that shit's on. awful. I'm not saying hanging on. I don't that's think it. I don't think any of that stuff helps. I'm kind of. I don't think Shiv's doing this well because I don't think Shiv's acknowledging her own emotions. That is a big. That's an important thing. But I think that once you've decided a relationship is over, Uncle Lee out there to the kids. Several ties, never speak again. That's the healthy
2: thing. Disagree, sir. I think that is not, <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, di, di, we are taking different perspectives on it. I don't think you hang around because I think that's not processing an ending. I don't think it's actually recognizing what you need to do, but at the same time, I don't think you have to necessarily burn all bridges and never contact again. Read the tea leaves based on the situation. There is not one particular tool by which you were used to resolve this. Scissors. Cut it right out. Cut, Never cut, speak again. Cut, cut the cord.
1: That's that's how you can move on. Okay, there you go. That's our that's our episode. Holy smokes, we have jumped back into line of succession, two and a half hours. That's kind of what you get here for this podcast. It is a dialogue-heavy show. It takes a long time to go through. It's also a lot of fun to talk about. Spencer, any concluding thoughts here before we wrap up the episode?
2: No I think this was a very solid episode of television I thought we talked we, we talked before on certain shows to what degree they check the boxes you expect for this this time we check the boxes to demonstrate that they're still at the top of their game when they're checking those boxes and it leaves us with so many delightful questions going forward as to where these characters we've become so attached to will continue to go because we have our ideas we have our theories but the fun bit of this show is moment to moment we don't we're not perfectly in their heads and they exist to surprise us
1: completely agree with that and I enjoy going through this show with you. This is one of the the big wins for me on the podcast network is that I recommended Succession. I got you into Succession. You've said multiple times on multiple co- podcast feeds that you never would have watched this show Very absent true. this podcast feed. So that's a big win for me. I enjoy it. I'm looking forward to the next 9 episodes and wrapping up this wonderful, ridiculous, insane series. We're going to we're going to conclude the series here in the next 9 weeks. We'll be back with you next week. To review episode two, in the meantime, if you have two and a half hours of Spencer and Lee's not enough for you in one week, you can jump over to the Lasso Lowdown and listen to Spencer and I review Ted Lasso. Week by week, we are going to be in, I think, episode three next week of Ted Lasso on the That's third the third season of Ted Lasso. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you all have a great week. See ya.